listening to the Attitude Era Podcast. You're listening to what, episode number... Six. Six. Our first half year. First half year. We're into it. It's SummerSlam 1998. Coming to you from Madison Square Garden and it's sold out. Hello everyone once again. I'm Kevin Mahan and joined as I am always by my cohorts and comrades in this review of the Attitude Era. Firstly, Adam. Hello, Adam. Hello, Kevin. How are you? I'm extremely excited. Uh, looking forward to talking about the highway to hell. Yes, uh, we've been on the highway to hell since Fully Loaded. How, how's that been for you? Fully Loaded? Uh, well, I think we all remember you know, what kind of quality that was and yeah. how disappointed and hurt we all were. Good lord, that Hopefully was... this will make up for it. Hopefully this will make up for it. And of course, the man who's uh, drawn the ire of the internet wrestling community by his... Uh, Disdain for the New Age Outlaws. It's Billy Gunn, who's no longer I'm in a cast, man. man. Will, I am all better. Finally healed up. Finally healed up. Yeah, I've got a big gnarly scar. Found your smile? Yeah, I found it. Found it. It was in the leg. It was, it was in the leg. I just had to get the cast off. It was, it was right there, so I just picked it up. Put so it, put is, it right back on. Is your, is your scar in the shape of Shawn Michaels' disingenuous, pilled out smile from 1990? Yeah, just a bit lopsided, you know. <laughs> Bit of drool coming down out of it. It looks a bit gross, if I'm honest. So you are uh, you, you jazz for SummerSlam '98, Billy? Yeah, I am. I'm looking forward to uh, talking about it. It's going to be very good. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you're listening on SoundCloud, iTunes, or in Stitcher, sit back, listen up, because it's time for the Attitude Era podcast, episode six, and we're going to review SummerSlam Undertaker and Kane combined make the most awesome, the most destructive force in the history of the World Wrestling Federation. I knew all along that you two were together. Kane and the Undertaker together are an unbeatable force. At SummerSlam, I will take what is rightfully mine. I'm gonna burn your ass, and that's the bottom line. How in the hell does one man, even a Steve Austin, turn back the challenge of these two monsters? Before this night ends, you will come face to face with your destiny. With Kane at your side, you will be the World Wrestling Federation Champion once again at SummerSlam. Okay, there you go. SummerSlam 98 there. That was the intro, which we now know. Big storyline shifts have happened since Fully Loaded. Big time. Uh, big yeah. time. As we may or may not have suspected, Kane and The Undertaker are in cahoots all along. Uh, and as we also suspected, Stone Cold is stunnering every single person he sees. That's, There's a lot of stunners in this promo. Exactly. Yeah. So from, from the last, um, from the last uh, episode where we basically had no one knew where anyone stood, the now the way it lies out is this, is that uh, Undertaker and Austin hate each other. Kane is with The Undertaker, but uh, Undertaker and Kane still have some sort of weird tension because Taker is kind of a tweener, but Kane is yeah. clearly an evil bad guy. Yeah. Vince McMahon likes Undertaker and Kane because he thinks they're going to get the belt off Austin, but Undertaker and Kane hate Vince McMahon because they think he's manipulating them. And in the middle of all this, Mankind, who's now tag team champions with Kane once just, again. He's just walking around in the background, not knowing what's going on. <laughs> Confused. Just walking into walls. Poor yeah. Old Mick. Poor old Mick. So, definitely a, a big shift here. But uh, we're coming to you from it's the 10th annual SummerSlam coming from Madison Square Garden, which is uh, our first pay-per-view taking place here in the Attitude Era. Yeah. Uh, bloody hell. 
amazing venue. Always looking yeah, massive. massive, yeah. It's just like synonymous like, with WWF. So yeah, I mean, we've got a. Uh, We've got this intro video. My favorite part of this is Austin going, I knew all along that you were with The Undertaker. No, you fucking didn't. You Nobody did. You clearly said, I don't know what side you're on, 20 times in the last episode. No one knew until that night when someone just probably just came out and said, all right, Undertaker and Austin, you are, you're opposite sides now. All right, then. I knew all along. <laughs> um, I suppose it's nice that at least it's cleared up now. One thing that has happened from this is that Paul Bearer is more or less kind of mysteriously evaporated yeah, into the background. It's a shame. There's no real place for Paul Bearer because the main problem with this whole thing all along was that when they were saying whose side is it on, and you know, Kane and uh, Bearer were meant to be together, but Paul Bearer clearly ha hated The Undertaker. Yeah, so it wouldn't work. So yeah. that ruined that whole mystique there, I suppose. But you have Kane and Undertaker basically running roughshod on Raw. They're killing every superstar they lay their hands on. You get to see it in that video package as well, them doing a spike tombstone yeah. pile driver on mankind. I love the, uh, the sound effects. It was well, like gunshots. Yeah, every... so it reminds me, I say before, it reminds me of uh, Batman Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, when, when you just <laughs> beat up a bunch of goons in the last punch. The just you sounds know, like that. Like every, every move sounds very hard. WWF production packages, even like in the worst shows with the worst build, always get me uh, excited. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The music choice as well. Like, yeah. The music from Harry Potter's Quidditch World Cup there. <laughs> that, that got me right. Shit going. reference. We were, we were trying to figure out actually because I tried for the life of us to get a version of this for us to watch with the ACDC music intact but the only versions available like the DVD I had and also the VHS uh, rip which we found it was just all uh, the censored, censored home video so if anyone out there know, can find the original ACDC you know Highway to Hell uh, version of the pay-per-view I, I remember seeing it as a kid and it obviously worked it very well there, yeah. but when you get Jim Ross going oh we're on the Highway to Hell here folks and just playing like you know a doo doo doo, <laughs> a doo, -doo, -doo. <laughs> well they might as well be playing that you know <laughs> So, there we go, we're in Madison Square Garden, and we're kicking things off with a European title match. It's Val Venus taking on our main man, D'Lo Brown, from oh, the Nation of Domination. Boy. Uh, and, and from Helsinki, apparently. Yes, uh, D'Lo, living the gimmick of being a, a European champion. Uh, last month he was from Milan, Italy. This month he's from Helsinki, Finland. Don't think D'Lo Brown is really from Helsinki. Bit of a fib, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I can't, can't think of that. a man... I'm pretty sure he's American. He sounds like an American. I suspect it. Uh, Jim Rogers goes, he's not from Helsinki, he's just some guy from New Jersey. <laughs> just some guy. Uh, what do you think of the stage we've got here? SummerSlam 98 has this weird kind of gate. Yeah, a little yeah. gate you have to push open when you're coming out. And I was saying to you when I was watching it, um, I've always found it really weird when they're in Madison Square Garden, you have the entrance in the middle of the screen as opposed mm. to on the left. So It's always a scaled-down stage as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, I'll talk about it a bit later on, but it kind of ruins the mystique a little bit. Because you can see who's coming out. Yeah. Also, as well, I do like the fact that most of the wrestlers coming out tonight obey the countryside etiquette, which is if you go through a gate, you close it behind you. Yeah. Right. In case any yeah. cattle wander out and come stay. Yeah. The farmers in Madison Square Garden run a pretty tight ship, let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, I've been to Madison Square Garden, it is big and there are lots of farms there, so <laughs> it's something you have to you watch out for. Um, we get Val Venus coming out, cutting his now standard sexy promo. This is possibly my favourite Val promo, and I'm going to play it now, and I think we're going to play every single Val Venus sexy promo from now on, because they're always gold. Good call. Yeah. Not taking any chances. Well, that just shows you, Austin is a desperate man. Oh, come Hello, on. Hello, ladies. Are there any ladies in New York City? Of course there are. 
of the night. So the Big Bell Boski has arrived to the Big Apple. Whoa. Well, you know something? I came, I saw, and I came again. <laughs> I came, I saw, and I came again. And that fucking face he makes. Yeah. Like a bell child, once again. He's so like, oh, I shouldn't have said and then, that. And then somebody has the idea of, uh, let's cut to uh, a lady in the, uh, the audience. Because Val is obviously Let, look, popular. Let's cut to this clearly underage 15-year-old girl. Jerry, Jerry Lawler just Showing out her tongue piercing and just making everyone feel fucking uh, awkward. It was funny because as soon as Val goes, hello, ladies, Jerry Lawler, quick as a flash, goes, do they have any ladies here in New York City? <laughs> This is the man from Bumblefuck, Tennessee. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> um, D'Lo is 26 years old. Val is 27. And I'm only mentioning this because it was pointed out to me on Twitter that uh, the majority of the people who were wrestling on the undercard this match were all below the age of 30. And if you compare that to SummerSlam 2012, no one was actually on the card under the age of 30. Blimey. So you've got like, bar, you know, Austin Undertaker, the vast majority of guys here are, uh, you know, younger young, guys. Yeah. Like, so, you know, Jarrett, uh, you know, Rock, Triple H, so on. So it's cool to see them trusting the younger guys with, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of big showpieces matches. It's pretty sweet. Uh, D'Lo Brown is wearing the chest protector, which Jim Ross informs us has been reinforced by a Nation of Domination associate. Yeah, we got a chest protector guy. Don't worry. What the hell is that like? Well, how are you going to modify it? Put lasers on it. You know? D'Lo Brown, like in some dark alleyway, he's like, can you modify this? <laughs> Take a shot every time JR says chest protector, by the way. He will not shut up about it during this match. Yeah, very he's, keen to point it out. It is actually the first match with Dino that I can recall where they actually really play up the chest protector, and it makes it obvious that something's going to happen involving the chest protector later on. You it's, can just tell yeah, straight away. I love uh, right at the start after they lock up Val uh, chops Dino on the protector and Dino wibbles his head and goes, "Oh hell no!" <laughs> so yeah, it was cool them actually, you know, playing into it. Uh, I really like this uh, this match. It's kind of slow, but I think it's a good example of the you know the WWF style at the time, which yeah. is kind of you know slow. Build, you know, good psychology, building up towards you know big spots of the yeah. groups towards the end of the match. Hard hitting, and the moves yeah, these really guys pull hitting. out, like Dino um, goes through that one power bomb and drops Val right on his neck, like on his scary head. Scary so fucking rough. Yeah, yeah. but then yeah, Dilo, it's the running power bomb. Dilo had some interesting moves. Obviously, sky high being uh, one of my favorite moves ever. Running power bomb, though. He doesn't even run. Sort of like a fucking, little. Well, I mean, one of them. He's just like a little waddle forward, takes like four steps forward and drops him. It's not that like really a running powerball. It's it's pretty impressive to see though. I oh mean, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. I mean, but him obviously you know, dropping Val on his head like it's just, I don't know if that was a, a move he should be doing. I mean, we got some really uh, great moves in this. Like Val is I didn't know before you know we started doing this podcast. Val was someone who I yeah, and Dilo as well I suppose someone I take it for granted is just being kind of yo know, just a lower card guy nothing really much to him but you know Val pulling out T-bone suplexes yeah. scoop yeah. slams catching him off the top rope really fucking amazing yeah wrestling. I'm getting a whole new appreciation for both of these guys yeah real workhorses got a little air horn going off Ugh. Fucking air horn! It was only in this match, though. I don't remember it being in. Clearly, the someone Vince McMahon clearly yeah. was like, "Get that!" It was like two, two or three times, I think, in this match. You it get it? Absolutely just, it's just before spots as well. It was like its tongue deliberately to like, throw them off. 
it's really annoying. At least they didn't do it during a promo like they do in CZW, like you assholes. Know. But uh, no, there's yeah, there's two things which ruin wrestling for me in the '90s. One is air horns because there's a couple of pay per views where you get the air horns, and two mainly happens on Raw. Fucking laser pointers. <laughs> yeah. Because you get so many guys who might have scary lighting. And yeah, Undertaker like, especially. Yeah, Vince McMahon is like, I have some earth-shattering news. It's just like a you know, laser pointer on his head. <laughs> you know, fucking assholes. Interesting, though, about this match. Neither man is actually really in, in much of a feud at the moment. No, and I mentioned, sort of fighting. Yeah, I mentioned before, this is just after Val had his dick... Uh, supposedly cut off by Takamich, uh, you know, because Taka turned heel on Val and joined Kai and Tai. And I still think the Val Taka match at a pay per view, I mean, that would have been fucking yeah, sweet. Yeah, why is that not happening yet? I, I don't know. It's, it's, Will it's, it ever it's weird. Are we not going to get that? Uh, no, the, the, the storyline is basically wrapped up now. They kind of got How their heat off it. Very strange. I mean, if you're going to chop a man's dick off. Take it to a pay per view. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right. You could have him coming out with his dick in like a jar or something, you know, like when Punk had the urn, just, you know, yeah. constantly waving it around in his dick face. Dick versus dick match. <laughs> it's really <laughs> fucking got a hair versus hair match later. Why don't we have a dick versus dick match? No, there's an idea. Yeah, there is an idea. <laughs> dick on a pole match, like, you know. No, I, I'm telling you, it's, it's Mick Foley losing his air in WCW all over again. Like, you know, I'm sure Val probably threatened to leave because they didn't incorporate his chopped off dick into the storyline <laughs> sufficiently. Uh, D'Lo catches Val with the sky high by countering the money shot and then D'Lo hits possibly one of the sickest DDTs ever for a great two count we get a series of really close calls here towards yeah, the end of the match uh, the ending comes out when D'Lo gets defrocked and Val dons the chest protector which is a sacrilege yep can't how, do that how long. dare the man uh, Val dons, dons the vest in a fleeting moment of irony it's like rain on your wedding day Free ride when you're already late. Carry on. It's like Valvina's like doing a money shot with your own chest protector. <laughs> and who would have thought? It figures. Uh, Val gets kind of just the ref gets in the way basically. Val falls off the top rope and then when he gets up, he proper shoves the referee. Yeah. Jimmy Cordellis. Yeah, Jimmy Cordellis is like a fucking hockey puck or something. He <laughs> fucking flies across the ring. And then unfortunately, we get a. Uh, we, we get a DQ, DQ finish. finish. So it was such, uh, such a shame because that was actually quite a decent length, really yeah. good match. Like Fra- all round, crowd really, really into it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Did, didn't a, like it when it, when, when uh, the ref called disqualification. We got a big boo, big yeah, big boo from the crowd. And then Val, of course, goes to the top rope and gives Jimmy Cordero's yeah. the money shot, which is a pretty cool moment. Pretty I big money shot as well. It looked awesome. D'Lo walks Fuck off into the distance with his European belt, looking like Baby Sinclair from Dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Big, massive smile on his stupid round head. We're told in this match as well, uh, I forgot to mention before, that uh, D'Lo is a CPA. A certified public accountant. Yes. Which we've now figured out that explains the line in his theme song. Here's a receipt! File it properly, yeah? <laughs> you want to keep track of your, your innings and outings. Uh, so there you go. Uh, serious Attitude Era finish on this match. Uh, yeah. DQ. But, you know, I think it was a pretty pretty sweet match overall. Good opener. But I question the logic of doing a DQ on the opening. But I suppose, again, it's, it's D'Lo's gimmick. Is that yeah, he can't win a match by normal. He's like, straight on by. So. But, yeah, definitely getting an appreciation for both of these guys right now. Oh, uh, big time. Yeah. Big time. Come backstage, and the hearse, which had been destroyed during Sunday Night Heat by an irate Stone Cold Steve Austin, who believed it to be belonging to the Brothers of Destruction, because they had been, you know, hanging around in a hearse. As, as you do. As you do. That highway to hell, gotta have transportation. Uh, but it actually turned out it was Mankind's SummerSlam ride. On a night anything can happen, it already has. Stone Cold Steve Austin destroyed this hearse a bit earlier on in Sunday Night Heat. We thought The Undertaker and Kane were inside the hearse, 
But we were wrong. Hey, what's JoJo Miller gonna say when I bring the car back like this? This was my special summer slam ride. I was gonna stuff Kane inside, and now look at it. Well, that might be good news for the Frisco Brothers Body Shop, but it's not so good for me. Maybe I'll get to use this sledgehammer after all. Wouldn't that be nice? He's um, probably not happy, is he? Poor Mick. Yeah, it's a really bad night. I don't want to give it away to the listeners, but Mick has a proper shit night tonight. He's, he? Yeah, he's had a bad go of it since Fully Loaded. Actually, since King of the Ring, he's, yeah. Yeah. he's he's been manipulated. He's been like on the on the receiving end of severe beatings from both Kane Undertaker and Austin. Uh, so yeah, you feel and bad gravity. for him. and gravity. <laughs> yeah, um, no, this is awesome. This is the start of like I can basically we can call it now. Mankind is. Is a face, yeah. yeah, and this is awesome because goofy, weird. I'm not saying you know, I'm saying comedy character is a bad thing, you know. Because people always go, "Oh, he was just a silly muppet." He's fucking awesome in this role. I loved him as a kid so much when he was like funny mankind. Well, yeah, because he's funny, but he's also incredibly tough and won't stay down. So yeah. he's got everything. It's really, really, and fun. it's such a unique, weird sense of humor he has as well. Where he's like, he goes, "What is it? Uh, this might be good news for the Briscoe Brothers Body Shop, but it's bad news for mankind." Like, because he says the car is a rental, he's not going to get his deposit back. Like, <laughs> but uh, he goes off looking for Kane, who's meant to be his tag team partner tonight in a match for the titles with the New Age Outlaws, but he's gone off to find him with a sledgehammer to kill him, more or less. So, obviously, they're on the outs there. And again, we've got tag partners potentially not showing up. Now we've got uh, an interesting one. Yeah, we yeah. do. Oh, boy. Another concert. <sighs> Insane clown posse come out. Such bollocks. Why is this happening? Are you ready for this, New York City? We got creep shows, creep shows, Lincoln. Most people don't like these. So I was gonna slowly get into the uh, question there, but uh, no. thoughts on the insane clan posse? Yeah. Shit, why are they here? Like, I, I've said this before. I don't like live music at wrestling pay-per-views. It's always bad, and I don't like insane well, clan posse. We've got some cracking live music later. Oh, good god! Well, this Madison Square Garden, yeah. we just put in the effort, like. Yeah. Better it's not just, be in key, like. They just sort of show up and start performing a song, like, you know, without asking if it's okay. They just turn up and start performing against our wills. It pissed me off. I didn't want an insane clown posse uh, uh, concert at the paper. Yeah, I never asked for that. I don't even think Vince McMahon wanted an insane clown posse. Who uh, did? Why were they there? I'll, I'll never figure it out how this happened because insane clown posse, I mean, you know, everyone can make pretty decent grounds for despising them you know I mean they're, they're, if, they're, if it's not your th- I mean I fucking hate them but you know, if it's not your thing it's not your thing some people do like some them some people do like them more power to them dress up however you want to that's fine but, but please they, know you look silly you do um, no I'm not saying that to Billy he is not dressed up <laughs> like a gigolo. Um, what did I call him yesterday gigolos you call him gigolos call them gigolos <laughs> Oh, j- j- Juggalo Jimmy Del right? <laughs> Say yeah! Say yeah! Say hell yeah! Say yeah! Say yeah! Say yeah! Say hell yeah! Yeah, put him up! Yo! 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 Um, but anyway, um, as I was saying, they had appeal. They did have an audience. 
even if that audience was, you know, a bit weird. And there was crossover with wrestling. You know, they did have wrestling yeah. fans. They ran wrestling shows. So I could see the logic behind it. But pairing them with the Oddities, uh, who were a group that had debuted a few weeks previously, first as a heel stable under the tutelage of the evil Jackal, who we may talk about a little bit further down the line. Basically, the Jackal, who was known as being this David Koresh-type figure, brought in these freaks, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, say, oh, they've been shunned by the world, and now he was going to you know, unleash them on, on everyone. A week later, uh, Sable convinced them to, I don't know, listen to Insane Clown Posse instead, and they became fun-loving guys. You, and you, you, yeah. you, you say the world shunned them. You can see why, though. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about them. I, like... You, you both saw my instant reaction to all of them. It was just rage. So, <laughs> just to point out, Insane Clown Posse are coming out, the oddities is, uh, at this moment, is the giant silver... Or Giant Kramer, as I like to refer to. Greg Carly's dad. Greg Carly's dad. Uh, Golga, who is the uh, leather mask wearing Cartman fan. Do you want to know who Golga actually is? No. Uh, Earthquake from back in the Hogan no era. No way. Yes. No way. Yes hell. way indeed. Wow, what a shame. Legendary that, John Tenter. What, what a shame for him to be doing that. I, uh, he's, apparently, this is the, the story at the time, uh, he, was, he was a great wrestler back in the day. Fucking mm. great hand. He was actually also a pretty successful sumo wrestler in Japan. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, a gaijin sumo wrestler. But apparently he came back, was signed by Vince, and he wanted to do the Earthquake character again, but he had lost a considerable amount of weight. And so Vince was like, you can't be Earthquake anymore. So apparently he was given Golga instead. Golga. But a yeah, fat, mentally handicapped person. Who likes, more or less. I, who likes Eric Cartman. Yeah, and of course, rounding off this... Uh, Jeez, they wouldn't even let this trio in Chicago, would they? Uh, Running off this trio is Kurgan, star of 300 and Sherlock Holmes. The world's biggest chuckle brother. He looks looks absurd, don't you think? Not a group known for its technical prowess. (laughs) ICP can't work a match and they can't work magnets. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite possibly that whole in, that whole introduction is the most 1998 thing I've ever oh, seen. Oh yeah, yeah, say yeah. yeah. Like, of the 90s hot Say hell yeah. <laughs> they just stole Limp, Limp Biscuit is basically insane kind of posse without fucking makeup, right? Pretty much, isn't more, it? Like, more or less, yeah. Yeah, it's like, hey man, fuck y'all, <laughs> but I love my friends. <laughs> yeah. I don't care, yeah. So yeah, ICP kind of worked the crowd up. They do yeah. sing along to an extent. Yeah, the crowd, the crowd, like. The, the, the teenage boys yes. who, who were there. Proper pro- love it. Proper love it. Yeah. They proper love it. Now, all, they're all doing the hand wavy dance, right? And people always point to this as the fact. The, the Oddities is a major bone of contention with a lot of fans. Uh, Jim Ross, apparently, he, he went off once on a, one of their Legends roundtables about how much he hated the Oddities because <laughs> he thought it like, epitomizes everything wrong with the Attitude Era. It was just a bunch of guys giving a stupid gimmick, yeah. never drew money, never sold a ticket, blah, blah, blah. But some people were like, oh, they came out of Madison Square Garden, everyone's waving their hands back and forth. If that's not being over, what is? You know. They weren't mm. over, ICP were. I, I, don't even say, I wouldn't even say ICP were. Because like, you, you know, can tell you... from the rest of this match, no one gives a shit about them. That's this true. This match is silent. 
The only time there is any noise is when ICP are pricking about on the stage. No, I say stage that's, in the ring. Yeah, it's got nothing true. to do with being over. I think it's more of the fact, you know, if you if you shout to a crowd, give me a hell yeah, they're going to say hell yeah. yeah. I don't think they're actually over. It's just the crowd participating in what's going on, really. Yeah, I, think, I don't think anyone really cares that much about the ICP. There'll be some yeah. fans in the audience yeah. that, you know, actually care. Well, like, they never advertised, you know, ICP are going to be here. They never played an ICP. It wasn't exactly a Mike Tyson kind of moment, was it? No, it was the most begrudged fucking uh, partnership with a celebrity ever I think yeah yeah. but ICP hang around for a little bit but it doesn't go very well this is kind of the height of the, the fame they reach or, or whatever uh, quite hilarious for me I always know it Giant Silva can't do the dance he's like kind of doing a weird bushwhackers <laughs> arms fucking just going like a man going mental on a connect just go <laughs> when you see all three of the oddities gather together in the ring dancing you realise just how ridiculous their clothing is they look like three guys who just painted their kitchen and they're <laughs> sort of wearing their shitty clothes they don't mind getting yeah. covered to me mind. to you to me to you. Uh, Billy you were admittedly a huge fan of Luna in the first few episodes of the podcast yes. now she has kind of been sidelined with this group of guys thoughts on that she didn't really do anything yeah like, just there she was just there like I, li- I still like Luna I think she's I think she's really talented I really like her but she did nothing in the match. You know, she was just, shuffle, really, yeah. She was just there. She just seemed like they said, "We've got these three weird blokes. Let's have we got a weird girl?" So well, we've got Luna. So I just fucking chuck her in. Yeah. yeah. No, it just seemed like an afterthought. Yeah, quick, hasty booking, like. But yeah, uh, oddities are taking on Kaintai. I suppose we should mention Kaintai, who were shown up first of all backstage, proper not enjoying the sing along. You know, yeah, cuts backstage are probably just laughing. On the world's smallest TV as <laughs> yeah. well, like, you know. But yeah, they come out, Takamichinoku has now donned his civvies and uh, become an evil member of Kayentai. Oddly enough, Taka doesn't even come out with his belt, considering he's meant to be the light heavyweight champion. Oh, I forgot about that, actually, yeah. Did you, did you honestly, guys, we forgot there's even a light heavyweight yeah, division. I completely forgot yeah. about it. It's not been around for ages. Absolutely shocking. Like. Has, it, has it been phased out completely, or is it going to come back, or is it... The last I, time we saw it on pay-per-view was WrestleMania, wasn't it? The first yeah. episode. Yeah. yeah, actually, it's funny, I did a funny thing recently, it was an AOL chat Vince McMahon did in, like, 1998, a live chat. Jesus. And uh, apparently halfway through the chat, the servers went down. So you got around an hour of Vince just talking to himself on this chat <laughs> thing, typing away. Got to post up on the old uh, Facebook and Twitter. It's fucking amazing. I want to see that. But uh, yeah, Vince just goes... We, you know, Vince is, is he's a weird man at the end yeah. of the day yeah. he's just going off but at one point he starts talking about the light heavyweight division and someone's like oh yeah the light heavyweight's going to come back he's like oh yeah light heavyweight division yeah people love that don't they we're going to get some guys in from Ethiopia to really you know, get the international feeling up Whoa. so that could probably sum up Vince's perception of yeah. so instead of competing against WCW with like kind of uh, the more Japanese because WCW had a lot of luchadors yeah. Yeah. but Vince had all these uh, great Japanese wrestlers he could have split up Kaintai and he really could have had a good proper division, proper division but yeah. he just chose not to which is a shame because they could have really done something there Kai and Tai against the Oddities the match has absolutely zero heat they do loads of comedy spots which if the crowd would react to them don't call them comedy spots well no they're designed to be no no, shoe. no, no Kai, Kai and Tai yes they're comedy spots like, oh no, no Kai and Tai yeah, 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 yeah. Oddities yeah. I know what you mean because they're just embarrassing and awkward to watch well they do like a thing where like Yamaguchi-san gets, has like fancy new shoes on and Golga steals the shoe and then like pours a soda into it and then he throws it in his face now that laid up I can imagine someone laying that out and you're imagining that the crowd are going to go oh and he takes the Yamaguchi san's shoe and then ooh when he pours in the water they don't make a they fucking they pass the shoe peak. around and everyone so smells awkward. it and it's, and like it's a, awkward all pull a face it's like it's watching a stand up die in his ass yeah like because the jokes just aren't connecting at all 
Kaito do some cool stuff though and they start doing four on one to get yeah, out yeah. Uh, Golga and uh, and Kurgan and whatnot. And we can see some weird offense from Silva doing, you know, one on four. So but the crowd never get into There it. is literally one cool moment in this match, I think, and that's when two members of the oddities get four members of Kaito and do a, a quadruple choke slam in the middle of the ring. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That yeah. was the finish of the match actually. Apart from yeah. that, I have nothing to say about this oh, match. Oh yeah, and Golga just got the just Golga just, just lay on top, top yeah. got pinned on four. It was a shame, and I think if they had maybe had taken a bit of time to actually set this up as a real feud or just get I mean because the oddities only debuted a few weeks previously and then you had to take them from being like evil freaks to like fun loving guys it was too much for people to absorb too soon the act wasn't yeah they needed another month or two to get the act over and then do this so it's a shame but you know the silver lining is that the second the match is over ICP start performing again yeah piss off I'm really (laughs) sick of this hands like this Feet like this, yeah? Fucking leave. Go away. <laughs> no one wants to hear you twice. Uh, Jerry Lawler, night, uh, line of the night. Oh, yeah, I think, I coming this, up here. Yeah. And these oddities are no longer associated with those baby-stealing gypsies, so now they're a, lot of, they're a lot of fun or something, right? What are you talking about? I don't know. I, I, I can't help. I like these guys. Baby-stealing gypsies. Well, you know. Oh, baby-stealing gypsies. Yeah, he says that also. It- says they are baby stealing gypsies. Yeah, because the carnival connotation. Straight away, Jim Ross is like, you can't be saying that, Cherry. (laughs) Classless individual. Absolutely reprehensibly weird. Um, So yeah, this is the stinker of the night. But I... I I, It's weird. I can't just say, oh, it's just a shit match. You know, fuck them. These guys suck. The effort is there, and you can see the seeds there and the blueprint of a mass that, if it was in a smaller arena, it's just even, misplaced. It's just misplaced it and you know presented without without any context. Yeah. So it's a shame, I think. I I don't know. I have a weird soft spot for the oddities. I uh, well, again, that could, you could blame it's that nostalgia. on nostalgia. I yeah. never had that because the oddities are gone when I got into wrestling, mm. really. I mean, I remember them very vaguely. I remember Kurgan, but I never have any sort of like fond nostalgia. I I think it's like it's a stereotype thing you can do in wrestling. The group of weirdos, you know, indie promotions do it all Mm. the time. I think that's a great way to get a lot of guys, you know, on TV. But it can be awkward. But it can be awkward. uh, That was my first experience with them, and I I hated it. Mm. I absolutely hated it. Well, ICP, we won't be seeing too much of them on pay per view. That's good. Uh, we get a shot in the crowd because the ICP take for fucking ages to leave of some basketball player from the NBA Jam or whatever it is. Yeah. And Jim Ross goes, no basketball players in the ring tonight, folks. They're better on the court, which is a dig at WCW, which at Road Wild had done uh, Dennis Rodman and Hogan oh, yeah. versus uh, DDP and um, other Carl Malone. There you Carl go. Malone, was it? I, I fucking know my NBA Jam. Yeah. <laughs> so coming up next, hair versus hair. Yeah. Double J with Southern Justice taking on X-Pac. So last month we saw the parting of ways of Tennessee Lee with oh, Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. So hearing that music kick up but not having the usual... <laughs> you ready? You ready? <laughs> what is Jeff Jarrett going to do now? Who is going to put his hand on Jeff Jarrett's foot after he puts it on the rope five minutes too late? <laughs> Who is going to accidentally not trip up someone properly when they run against the ropes. He is proper outmatched now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Double J now, you can see, as we were saying, new edge to the character. No cowboy hat now. Guitar that says, don't piss me off on it. Yeah. No smiles, no dancing. He's Still all... the shitty silver spacesuit. Still got right. really crap gimmick ring attire. But yeah. we see the start of don't a new Double J, which is a fucking nice change of pace, let me tell you. If you told me, like, before this, you know, 
from just from what we had seen in the previous few months, hey, Jeff Jarrett match is coming up, I'd be like, oh, fuck, skip it. Yeah. But I'm actually, you know, really looking forward to this match. Uh, the build-up on this on Raw had been great. Double J was just being a complete fucking prick. Yeah. He's going around sh- clipping off bits of people's hair. On the heat before this, he shaved Howard Finkel's hair off. He joined us on Sunday Night Heat. We saw one of the most uh, repulsive things that I've seen in quite some time. When... Uh, Southern Justice and Double J cut Howard Finkel's hair. <laughs> well, now wait a minute, JR. It's not that funny. Uh, if you ask me, that's an improvement. It's, it's, it's such a weird thing because, like, it's obviously they, they, they beat Jackass to it. There's a couple of rounds of We go behind Fink and they shave, <laughs> shave his head. And he just turns around and goes, Dude, <laughs> So, like, it was good seeing that. Yeah. But, you know, it's just such a strange thing. It's like, no, we're, we're, trying, we're, trying, yeah. we're trying to make Double J more of a heel. Let's have him shave Fink. That, that'll do it. Hit him where it hurts. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I. Th- I couldn't be wrong, but judging from the way they usually treat him, this entire angle just seems like a rib on the Fink. Yeah, oh, yeah it's yeah. just an excuse to be you know really mean and nasty. To yeah, Fink, Fink has to come out wearing a DX t-shirt over the, his tuxedo. The funniest thing. He looks so pissed off. <laughs> he's uh, yeah. It's I think he's so much to see him come out. The look on his face is so realistic. I think he's generally pissed off. Like, why am, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Murderous. Um, Fink comes into the ring. <laughs> X Fox, you know, sets up to do the uh, his his, his fire thing. Well, if you notice, when Fink comes into the ring, he does the twirl. Don't do the twirl. Lose the twirl. Twirl sucks. I hated the twirl. Hate the twirl. Okay, obviously, I'm not going to do the twirl. I only did it because I nailed the wave. Yeah, good. Don't do it. I am not going to do the twirl. All right. It's not even a twirl. It's a spin. I might do the spin. <laughs> he does a little, you know, he does a little spin around, and then Fink does the crotch chops. That's what everyone wants to see. Boom, baby, I like that. And then X-Pac, to the delight of the MSG crowd, gets Fink to say, SUCKER! He says it like that, he goes, SUCKER! Well, I wanted to hear him in the Howard Finkel voice going, SUCKER! You know, like a big grand. <laughs> and there will be no <laughs> disqualification. And so yeah, here we go. Uh, Jeff is... You know, he's meant to be tough, but is dressed like a knob. Bit of a problem, but straight away I'm kind of forgiving of this because we get a really kick-ass, fast start. They yeah. go hell for leather Immediately, straight away. the second this match started, everything I thought about Double J just suddenly went like, you know, oh, wait a second, this yeah. is different now. Yeah. They, you know, like in the first 30 seconds, X-Pac has a big-ass dive to the outside. Now, I didn't know, you know, I mean, this is, again, newfound appreciation for guys going back at this, uh, this period. X-Pac had a lot of fucking neck problems oh, going yeah. into this. Yeah. He was proper hurt, you know, and he's doing dives. He can go, yeah. He's, he's getting chucked about. Yeah, he's really, really amazing. Really amazing in this match. Yeah, I've got to admire him. Jeff Jarrett is working really... Sn- no, I don't know. Stiff is not a right way. Stiff implies sloppy, you know. Mm. He makes it look stiff. Snug, I think, I think yeah. is the word. <laughs> snug. Snug. And uh, he powerful and has proper impact. He's so. got these drop kicks, which he's doing on Xbox. Oh, that's so sharp, Just yeah. clicking absolutely perfectly uh, really really good Jeff now of course he's got the long hair but it's not all feathered out and kind of Greg Valentine slash 2004 Triple H anymore it's it's kind of long and scraggly and whatnot. we get a good shot as Jeff is working over uh, oh, sorry working over Xbox and Xbox on the floor of Jeff turning around looking at the, at the, at the crowd and we get about five seconds of him walking over with this look of disdain in his face and his long hair now I know you said Gordon Ramsay before 
but he proper looks like yeah. Boromir here. <laughs> proper looks like Boromir. We will take the title to my city of Memphis. <laughs> I merely ask for the stroke to book my people. <laughs> Kurt. Kurt, I'm sorry <laughs> for stealing your wife and children. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. okay, let's just wind it back a little bit. Back to the match. Back to the match. Uh, hilarious. Right after this, JR and the King go out over the PA system. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> for like five seconds. And they notice straight away and they go kind of quiet. And then they like dip the feet in the water again. And then it goes out again. So then they go quiet for like 30 seconds. And then it's, how did that happen? Literally, how? I don't understand Gremlins. It. Gremlins. <laughs> Hulk Hogan's going to come out of the theatre. NWO, like, mixing around the leads. But, uh, yeah, awesome, awesome action. Uh, Jeff slaps in the figure four leg lock, mm. uh, which is a move I, you know, I think is uh, not done well enough. The, we got Miz when it's done moment. right, it looks badass. I think so. I mean, I like Jeff does his own version as well. Unlike, you know, Flair or Miz, who kind of sit up he lies straight on his back yeah, yeah. which makes sense because then you pull all the pressure more tension and, you know it, it makes sense there you go actual wrestling making logic I like that X-Pac hitting some of his spin kicks as well and apparently yeah. the two worst things in the world to take are a Stone Cold Steve Austin comeback punch <laughs> and either an X-Pac or a Rob Van Dam spin kick because that is a spin kick that will knock your dick still yeah. <laughs> fucking hell the it looks rough the connection because, yeah, he's just landing straight on his, his clavicle, so you just know straight away it's going to get a big bruise there. Yeah. Really, really sore. We got a WWE 13-inspired pin sequence with the flipping backwards and forwards. <laughs> yeah. I think me and Adam once spent a good hour and 20 minutes doing that. Howard Finkel comes up on the apron and gets decked by uh, Double J, but then uh, X-Pac turns around and gets the X-Factor on him for a really close two count. Yeah, real close. Yeah. Again, same with the, uh, the D-Low and the Val Venus. You get a lot of uh, near falls in this one. I like that. They're not afraid to bust out the near falls in the undercard. Yeah. yeah. Southern Justice making interference. Southern Justice, by the way, looking uh, incredibly sexual with their lack of shirt. They're just yeah. wearing a kind of a Joel Gertner blazer, no shirt kind of chest hair Sexy exposed man. there. Uh, Jeff gets clocked with his own guitar. X-Pac wins. So, so cool. Yeah. And now with it being a hair versus hair match, we finally get to see Double J get humiliated and properly beaten now. Which is great. Who's going to come out to uh, cut the hair? It's only the New Age Outlaws, the Headbangers, and Draws. Yeah, and you know, it's... that combination that everyone likes. <laughs> Those best friends of them. At the start, it was kind of like Outlaws came out. And makes sense because the podcast. But then it was kind of like. Lads, I see. It's like a, when they did a Buried Alive match once, Undertaker and uh, Mankind. And Mankind started burying the Undertaker. And then, like. The executioner and Paul Bear came out who were with him at the time. They started, you know, shoveling in the dirt and they're like, guys, we've got to go home in like two minutes. And then every fucking heel on the roster. <laughs> you got like these like undercart, like Jeff Jarrett's coming out burying The Undertaker alive and all this stuff. So it was one of these cases that they realized, I think, that, oh, guys, we've got to cut this hair real quick and Jeff's hair will not cut. No, it's too you long. Can't, you can't cut hair like that. You I can't was use clippers. To you. You cut, his hair is too long to use clippers. You need to, you need to cut it first with scissors then do the clippers. A good proper 30 you're minute gonna, haircut. You're going to hurt him otherwise. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to hurt him. You don't want to knot his hair. Like. They, they, they didn't even show him a little mirror behind his head afterwards. No. So you can see the back of it. It's, I think, a great uh, injustice has been done. To x Pac disrespectful. x Pac didn't even put his scissors in that blue fluid. Yeah. Uh, it was that mouth. There was no banter. There was no banter either. <laughs> there, was no, there was no chatty banter between them asking how his day's been. Hey, Double J, how's it going? Uh, you're not holding it down, Morty. You know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, hair versus hair matches are, are kind of awkward because they're meant to provide that instant 
ah, you know, embarrassing gratification, you know, Takes take that heel. McMahon, when he got his head shaved, his hair came off like, you know, like like it was leaves being blown it's, on a summer so day. So being old. Yeah, but Jeff's hair, no. And it just gets everywhere. It gets stuck to Fink's head. He's got spaghetti stuck and to And then the camera, of course, sticks to that. Yeah, just which like, is clearly you embarrass let's, him let's, further. Let's, let's take the piss out of Fink some more, but then some, I can't remember who it is, comes up to Fink and wipes it off for him. He's being very nice. Because he clearly, you tell someone backstage, went up to one of the headbangers or something going, brother, I don't care what you do, you put that hair on Howard Finkel's head. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But some, somebody was kind enough to brush it off so no one would make fun of uh, Fink someone. Anyway, so Fink. Jeff just leaves, goes to the back with kind of a bit of a haircut. Yeah, it's not even that much done. So he doesn't get taken... Hair is too yeah. long to do anything. So there you go. Jeff loses a bit of his hair. So it kind of yeah, it's a bit a bit weird. Backstage, we have Doc Hendricks hyping the Lions Den match. He's actually in the building attached to Madison Square Garden, the, the ballroom, I believe it is, where they're having the Lions Den match. Own Hart and Ken Shamrock later on, and then we get a nice interview with The Rock and Michael Cole hyping his match with Triple H later on the night. Now my question to you, Rock, is this: You must feel pretty good about yourself. What are you thinking about? Well, The Rock is thinking about slapping the yellow right off your teeth if you keep asking stupid questions. The fact of the matter is this, Triple H, you one-legged man, The Rock wants to know exactly how you're going to climb the people's ladder and reach The Rock's intercontinental gold with just one leg. Tonight, Triple H, New York City, The Rock's home, away from home, and to the millions and millions of The Rock's fans, The Rock is guaranteeing that he's going to prove he is the people's champ. The Rock is the people's choice, and The Rock is the best damn intercontinental champ there ever was, if you smell what The Rock is cooking. Well, thanks, Rock. Gentlemen, shut up. Back to the jabronis at ringside. I like The Rock there saying, back to the jabronis at ringside. <laughs> yeah, short and sweet promo. Just yeah, it was really good. I, I, I liked it. Yes. It's the first, first time I've like, particularly sort of liked The Rock. Actually, because we were, we were, we were, I suppose six months in now is as good as time as any to, to ask, because... You had only really been exposed to The Rock, Billy, by watching you know, his return for you know, WrestleMania yeah, 27, yeah. wasn't it? When he came back for the hosting or whatever? Yes. Yeah. So ago. you hadn't really seen much of The, the no. Rock before. What have you been making of the, you know, the Rock so far, the chicken shit attitude era? I haven't liked show? him, but um, this pay-per-view, I've, I've, begun, I've begun to, and his match in particular, I was yeah. like, yeah, I like... I'm beginning to like the uh, the rock a lot. This is where he's really starting to step up now. So it's yeah, I, ha- I haven't liked him really that much to this point. I suppose his matches have mainly been like schmozzes and yeah, and, yeah. You know, no, it's only going to get but better. But now, that now I'm beginning to like him. Quite yeah, now that's good. The rock really is like has a fucking rocket attached to him right now. You can tell he's just getting so big so yeah. quickly. Like you know, three months time, the rock just like goes to another level so it's it's awesome to see this kind of unfold. So Mark Merrow comes out. Uh, no. <laughs> why why is he back because I, I keep thinking we're maybe past this you know every month I keep thinking that's it you know just leave it now that's enough Mark Mero for this podcast it's a shame isn't it yeah he keeps in fairness back. though in fairness we have Tennessee Lee is gone yeah uh, Jeff Jarrett has changed his character to being you know a lot cooler Jeff Jarrett's kind of impressive man. yeah, yeah. Uh, DOA and Paul Ellering are assumedly in the realms of cyberspace for this pay-per-view yeah, you know? and LOD yeah. uh, and LOD or, or you know the old folks and whatever it's only it's it's the only real yeah I know but it's still one of the worst offenders you know Mark Mero pisses me off more than Tennessee Lee ever did Mark Mero coming out with Jackie to take on Sable and her mystery partner so again they're still dragging out this uh, 
Marrow and Sable feud. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you keeping score at home, Jacqueline actually was rewarded uh, Sable's bikini contest trophy by way of forfeit because Sable wore a non-regulation bikini top. Um, for fuck's sake. Sorry, I've just literally realised something here. Is Miro and Sable the only storyline that's been going since the very beginning of this podcast? <sighs> Think about it. All the other storylines have been wrapped up or abandoned. Mabel mm. and Sa- sorry, um, Sable and Miro is Nation, the Nation one. and DX has really been going like quite a long time as well. I suppose, yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose this is one of the longest running storylines though, definitely. Why? It's, it's, uh, people, here's the thing. We, we, we can't get our hands or heads around why, but people love Sable. They chant her name non-stop, irrespective of the fact that she has no home, charisma. They masturbate over her image into a sock. Furiously. But so Mero is the only foil for Sable. Mero has... By the way, folks, Mero has taken a pinfall loss clean to Sable. He's not going to be going after the Intercontinental Belt or anything anytime soon. He's All not going to. What I'm saying is, we have Luna. Why do we need Mark Miro around? Seriously, they could easily put Sable with someone better. Um, it's again. I think it's it's just you know rotating the deck a little bit. You know, Mero is going to be there because I mean, you know, Mero's so tainted by losing to Sable. He's the only guy they can do it to. You know, it's like once yeah. you have a a guy like you know lose in such a terrifying fashion like that you might as well get your use out of him mm. you know they're going to put Sable on the card anyway so here we go Sable looks like she could not care come here less. Sable ask me I ain't not Elmo but you can tickle me anytime baby So Sable introduces her tag team partner, and it's Edge, the mysterious undefeated rookie who comes through the crowds to join Sable for this tag match. But the Edge, as King calls yeah, it. Yeah, I was looking forward to this because back in my, my I think 2005, 2007, big, 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 uh, big mark for the rated R superstar. I love Edge, absolutely love Edge. Mm. Really cool. Uh, I think Edge, even from from the get go, really cool look coming through the crowd, long coat, oh, sunglasses, yeah. that music. You know, it's a pretty dull match, I suppose. I mean. Mero is a Mero's working with Edge for the most of it, obviously. You know, crowd popping huge for any time they tease anything with Sable. Yeah. Uh, we get a Mero and Sable face off, and Mero just gets kicked in the balls. It was right this, in front of the this, referee. This, this happens a lot. This match is things happening to uh, Mero's testicles. Um, he gets he, looks, he gets, gets like headbutted towards the end as well. In yeah, the dick. he gets headbutted in the dick by Jackie. Mero gets. What is left of Mero's manlyhood gets hung out to dry in this match. He, yeah. he gets look, he looks like a complete fucking jabroni. He looks like uh, Ben Stiller in Dodgeball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Mark Mero, I suppose, I mean, I'd complain about him being, you know, made like, look like such a goon in this match. But as I said, once you've lost to, to Sable in, in the middle of the ring, you've got very little value, Where I think. Where can you go from there? He is, however, making Edge look good. And Edge, yeah. they're, they're getting over one thing as well, which is that Edge is different. His offense is really unique. He's not doing standard moves. You know, yeah. Spinning heel kicks, you know, his finisher, Downward Spiral, is also uh, very unique. Mm. 
Um, Sable is reverted back to, I think we got this, was it in uh, Unforgiven? The, the screaming. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, both of them, her, her and Jacqueline, just start sounding like so goblins halfway horrible. through. Goblins? Goblins? Yeah. Come on! Yeah. You're making me! Yeah, yeah, it's... it's uh, no, it's it's no good. Freaks. Sable hits the worst TKO ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> she learned from the best, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Meryl breaks up the pin. I thought this would go into the ending sequence of the match, but we're actually far from the end. Edge hits a pretty crazy suicide dive. Edge had actually... Yeah, he put his life in Mark Miro's hands. What were you thinking? Edge had risk. done a suicide dive kind of somersault... Uh, plancha thing in his debut match against one of the guys from Los Barricas who are the kind of Mexican DOA and he broke his neck doing it uh, Edge did some pretty risky stuff here I think it's, it's one of these things it's like when a guy gets kind of pegged as being oh you're going to be like actually a main event guy you can see him stopping doing the uh, the mm-hmm. crazy shit yeah. it's like when Randy Orton first debuted he was doing you know the drop kick off the top rope and then it was kind of someone's like actually you'll probably be in the main event in a few years so you can stop doing Calm that down, like. yeah. so yeah Edge is Quite, you know, risk-taking here. He spanks Jacqueline at one point, uh, in a fittingly Attitude Era moment. Yeah. Kind of ruins the mystique a little bit, can you? Because he's meant to be like, this guy sitting in the shadows, brooding. Oh, he doesn't, he doesn't dress with the rest of the wrestlers. No one knows where he's from. But he likes a good hoedown, yeah! <laughs> Get on down the woodshed, eh? He likes misogyny more than everyone else. Yeah, I think that really killed his... Uh, yeah. Mystique. You wouldn't see Raven doing that, yeah? No. <laughs> We get a big crossbody from Edge onto Mero, and you think Jacqueline's been you know, humiliated, Sable has done a TKO, big move on Mark Mero, surely the match will end here. Nope. But no, it goes on for another the five match minutes. That won't so, end. so long. It's a shame, and I think the only reason the match goes on is so we can get this weird head to balls spot, which you mentioned earlier, yeah. where yeah. Jacqueline falls right into Mark Mero's willy. Hilarious. Yeah. So funny. How original. Um, the one little like saving grace of this match is when Sable does the Hurricane Rana from the top rope. Yeah, best actually, move she's ever done. She pulls it off. Done. It looks really good. Yeah, and again, it's it, I suppose the, it's mostly Mark Mero taking that yeah. proper what fall. I, what I liked when watching that was uh, our joint reaction. It was like, no, no, what? <laughs> As get out of town. No, she didn't. They can't. They can't decide what to call it though. Uh, they call it Sable Kinrana, but then as soon as the match is over, Jim Ross goes Franken Sable. <laughs> Somewhere Scott Steiner is weeping into his bowl of steroids. <laughs> Jim Ross is a little bit off tonight, I thought. You know, he's oh, throughout making the whole pay-per-view. Yeah. shit banter and, you know, just stumbling with his words. Do you I think, think it's he, I think he's been exposed to Jerry for too long. I think is it that King is getting to him? Because King says some pretty wild shit in this pay-per-view. Yeah. But he always I don't know, yeah. Jim Ross is just a little bit I think he's sh- maybe getting a bit tired of him. It's not a bad night. I'm already tired of him and Mm, it's hard I mean it was just an off night isn't it? I, I think yeah. it is yeah because their relationship yeah. was always great over the years so yeah. it's probably just a bad night just a, a weird weird, rare occurrence but yeah Sable uh, pins Marrow after Marrow gets the downward spiral from Edge I like that yeah is that you know Edge does the move but they still have still Sable Sable's 2-0 and against Marrow <laughs> Oh, I know, 2 and 1, she lost that other match so consequential so there you go um, what do you guys think of that? I mean what did I think of it? yeah hmm. thought it fucking stank I mean um uh, Edge and Mero I liked had a couple it. For, of... I liked it for Edge. It was a good introduction for yeah. Edge. It was good to see good Edge use like, of him doing his spots and stuff. Edge just... might as well just wrestled himself. 
Yeah, that's, that's pretty much. much. I'd rather they just put Edge with one of the other mid-carders that can actually wrestle. It would have been nice. I, I hate the whole Sable Mark Miro stuff still going Crowd on. Crowd are so hot for it, though. Yeah. And again, it's just Sable is just blindingly over. Arena full of heels. And you can you can see why she has, like, you know, the, the supposed ego issues or whatever, because, I mean, she was, she was right. She's getting that reaction. Yeah, she's right to assume she's a big fucking deal, because she clearly is a big deal, and they position her to be a massive deal. So, obviously, the eventual... You know, brouhaha with her thinking she was, you know, the biggest fucking thing in wrestling. That was obviously well earned in her mind. Yeah. Uh, we cut backstage to possibly my favourite Mick Foley interview I love ever. This. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen this before, but I think I'm inclined to agree with you. Now. So much has happened tonight. I don't know what else is going to happen, but you've had some time to think about it. The Undertaker just informed us that Kane is not going to show up here tonight at SummerSlam. So my question to you is, will you defend the tag team titles tonight, or are you, are you thinking of forfeit? Well, I don't know. I, I've lost my car. I've lost my tag team partner. Well, mankind. I've lost my sledgehammer. Maybe I ought to forfeit the damn belt. But Mankind, I mean, the people, I mean, they want to get their money's worth. They want to see the this. People, the people want their money's worth. Why? By God, I don't want to disappoint the people. Michael, why don't you be my partner, and we'll go out there, and we'll get our ass kicked all over Madison Square Garden. Better yet, I've got time. Let's go outside, and man, Mankind can play in traffic. You want your money's worth. You want your money's worth. But my God, that's that's important to everybody. Nick, Nick, Nick. Calm down. It's okay. It's me. I mean, it's okay, Vince. I'm gonna get killed out there. No, no, no. no. It's I'm okay. one person. I, I understand that, but look, nobody really wants to see you go play in the traffic. I don't think that's no, true. Nobody wants to see you come off the top of a cage. I don't think that's C- true. Come on, either. come on. This is Madison Square Garden. It's competition yeah. at its height. Okay. I mean, come on, do you remember when you were just a little kid and you hitchhiked yeah. to Madison Square Garden? You remember that? Yeah. Okay, do you remember like you used to hang around 33rd Street and uh, wait for the boys to come out so you can get autographs? You remember that? Yeah, but this is a little bit I, different. I don't understand tonight. that. I don't, but it's Madison Square Garden. It's history. And this is where you belong. This is truly where you belong tonight. And I've got an idea, and it may be insane. It may be just a little crazy. But just think about it. If you, if you can... One man successfully defending the tag team championship. One man in Madison Square Garden. Think I can? On one night. What will happen to me? I can guarantee you, you'll be in Madison Square Garden's Hall of Fame by next week. I will personally guarantee that. Vince, I don't, I, I don't have my sledgehammer. It's false it, count it, anywhere. I don't have any It's your weapons. kind of match. I don't it, have a weapon. It's no holes barred. I, I, you know, false count anywhere. It's you. I'm it's the, you. But, but where's my sledgehammer's not here. I don't have a weapon. There are plenty of weapons around. I need Wait some things. Because if I can find something, immortality something I'm very interested in. And this is the biggest arena in the world. And tonight, mankind is going to successfully defend against two people. <laughs> well, look, look, I can hand you. Look. I can hand you history. In a silver platter. In a silver platter. Vince, if the outlaws don't like it, well... I've got 13 words for him. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? So we have Mankind, and Mankind can't find Kane, and now he's worried about having to face New Age Outlaws in a potential handicap match. He's having a panic attack, basically. He's breaking down. He's lost his sledgehammer as well. He's lost his sledgehammer, his car is all jacked up, and he's like, what am I going to do now? Oh, the people need their money's worth, do they, Michael Cole? Oh, better go play in traffic then. I like that. It's kind of shades of, you know, his old ECW yeah. and Kane do stuff. It's yeah. like, oh, the fans want too much of me and, yeah. you know, I'm getting run down by this. So Foley is literally completely despondent and it's weird to see him in that position. And then 
good old Vince McMahon comes up uh, and gives him the pep talk of a lifetime. Yeah. And just, you see, he's t- you love they always draw on Foley's kind of relationship with Madison Square Garden because Foley went there as a kid and he saw Superfly jump yeah. off the cage and he said that's why he wanted to be a wrestler. So he, Vince like uses that against him and just looking at mankind like as he slowly turns from being terrified to being enamored and he's like oh my god I'm going to be a legend Vince guarantees McFoley he'll be in the Madison Square Garden Hall of Fame within the week <laughs> if he defeats the New Age Outlaws single-handedly so McFoley uh, takes Vince McMahon's silver platter I love that that needs to be on a t-shirt so something, something that struck me though immediately is that last time Undertaker didn't show up mm-hmm. and they said alright you can have the Brooklyn Brawler yeah, what, yeah. What happened this time? Mankind doesn't deserve a brawler, ma- ma- apparently. Ma- mankind, who's supposed to be, you know, essentially in McMahon's pocket. Uh, brawler's He's already booked, mate. <laughs> I'll, I'll help out Stone Cold if The Undertaker doesn't turn I'll up. help out my arch nemesis. Yeah, but I won't help the, like... Guy the, I'm meant to actually be, yeah. yeah it yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. A very good point. I love, though, the fact that, you, you know, everyone at home can tell Vince is manipulating Mankind, but he can't see that. And you rarely get a heel he's turn. So smarmy. Yeah, you really get a heel turn, though, where it's like the fans are kind of like, oh, no, he's, you know, he's taking advantage of you. Yeah. Because it usually comes across as very forced. Yeah. Or kind of like, you know, you're meant to care and you don't. Yeah, even when he's a heel, you still feel sorry for Mick, don't you? Exactly. He's disadvantaged. But, uh, so yeah, I mean, Mick is off now basically looking for blood. He's, he's going to face uh, the New Age Outlaws on his own for the tag belts. So now we go to the arena beside Madison Square Garden where we actually have another little sold-out crowd. What they did here was very smart. Uh, SummerSlam sold out apparently in like 10 seconds or, you know, usual... Attitude Era, amazing ticket sales. And so what they did was the Lion's Den match, which is held inside a UFC-style cage, which is Shamrock versus Owen, is taking place in the arena adjacent to Madison Square Garden. And they actually sold tickets to that, but the crowd got to see the actual show next door on the big screen. So I think that was a really... Everyone's happy, yes. Really smart idea. Absolutely brilliant. Yes, it's really good. I mean, if you couldn't be at, you know, SummerSlam, I mean, if you couldn't be at SummerSlam, being in a, you know, kick-ass arena, seeing a match, and then getting to see the rest of it live, with a big crowd with you yeah, yeah that'd be great smart yeah. like really really good work uh, so we have Own Heart versus Ken Shamrock we get a kick ass promo package the Black Heart Own Heart has gone off the deep end the world's most dangerous man well, Shamrock has just lost it. he's lost his composure the highway to hell for these two superstars has been paved with controversy Word in the locker room is that Owen Hart's special trainer for his Lions Den match at SummerSlam against Ken Shamrock is none other than Dan the Beast Severin. That announcement culminated months of turmoil. Owen Hart is going to try to break Shamrock's leg or his ankle or his foot. Owen Hart's got Shamrock in the sharpshooter. Owen Hart has gone off the deep end. What is Owen Hart doing?
stepping into my world now, the Lion's Den match. And when I get done with you, they better bring two body bags, one for you and one for Dan Severn, because I'm going to finish what I didn't get to finish Monday night. I'm going to add some fuel to the uh, Lion's Den fire. <laughs> Something's going to be settling that nine-foot pit. Like last month, they were just kind of superficially going into the feud. Yeah. It was kind of, oh, Owen put out Ken, so he wants revenge. But now they're really getting into it, which is like, Owen has gone off the deep end and he's kind of obsessed with beating Ken. And yeah. Ken was out to prove himself because he just won King of the Ring. Kick ass. Lots package. of staring, shaking of the head, and grunting and screaming. Everything I love. The faces own her. I, I, unfortunately, you know, the, the podcast being a non visual medium, we can't show you the face. We'll tweet it hopefully at some point. But Own Heart has some serious faces he's Ma- pulling. One in yeah. particular made us laugh. We accidentally <laughs> paused on it. Where they're like, Own Heart has gone off the deep end. And he's like, yeah! <laughs> Distorted face. Own is like, is what, you know, we were giving out about Own's rationales turning heel before, but now the last couple of months, he has done some just reprehensible stuff. Like mm. he broke Shamrock's ankle. You know, he, he pilmanized it, jumped off onto a, onto a chair. <laughs> Jason Sensation, who made fun of Own, a couple of weeks later, Jason was brought out on commentary and you know, Jerry was like, oh, you'll do the voice or whatever. And then Owen just comes out and he whips the shit out of him. Puts Jason in the sharpshooter, like real like heel heat. Yeah, like. awesome. So, uh, yeah, and the, the thing here was, was that Ken Shamrock thought that Dan Severn was kind of with him, but Dan turned his back on, on Ken and is now training Owen. He's taught him how to do the dragon sleeper and that's the gimmick of the match is that he's given him the UFC experience now. So inside he can the power special. Anyway, um, inside the lion's den. First problem of this match, it's a great match. First problem of this match is that when we watched it, Billy, you spent most of the match talking about shapes. Yeah, I did. Um, I was trying to work out because I don't know what... Was you a, love shapes. I love shapes. I was just trying to work out because I knew it wasn't a triangle or a square. Because so, <laughs> they are my best of shapes. Or the I, 50 pence piece ring. Um, so I was, I was trying to work out how many sides it had. And I uh, I, I think we settled on it was a dodecahedron. Dodecahedron. It, it was just weird because we were watching and I, I do really enjoy this match. And we're just sat there intently watching it and you're just there on your computer going... No, wait, I think it's a dodecahedron. <laughs> Billy, please, shut up. <laughs> well, Brother, so, when I get you in the, the square dodecahedron. I, I was enthralled by the whole, the whole match because the first thing I could see is this, 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 this uh, cage, which isn't just uh, vertical, it's, it's at a slight it's diagonal. Tapered. Uh, it's tapered. And it, and it looks like it's one of those things that you get, um, you know, uh, where people stand in the middle and motorbikes go around the uh, side. <laughs> so I was really hoping that it was going to be this big. This big, sort of, you know, UFC sort of MMA style match of motorbikes going everywhere. The other thing which, 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 we, which we thought it may have been, Billy, was the final bit from the Crystal Maze. Yeah, yeah I, was, I, I was expecting a, a, another part to come down. And all these gold and silver tickets to uh, to come down. And then that is how the winner would be decided. Because oh, Shamrock has all the gold tickets. I would have to say all the gold tickets going, I did it on my own. <laughs> no, mate. No, you thought, no, those are platinum tickets, not silver. Yeah, he, and they have a higher conversion rate. So Ken he did, wins. He did it all on his own because all of the nation got locked up in the little room. So we had to do it all on his own. You're all just like standing around the main game zone and Owen just grabs you. To the crystal maze! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, match going on in the ring. Um, amazing, uh, amazing t-shirt owners. It says, and then there was Owen. Yeah. Because all the hearts yeah. are gone. And it says at the back, own hearts still beaten. Brilliant. Wish I could get that T-shirt somewhere online. If you could, fi- so actually, if you could find it somewhere, tweet us. I'd, I'd buy that shirt in an instant. <laughs>
Ken Shamrock is doing some serious Spider-Man shit in this match. Yeah, it's awesome. Again, you've got two amazing workers in Shamrock and Owen who have been put in possibly, you know, real tough circumstances. Again, no ring ropes, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like their, their match the last time. But they use the cage really, really well. They yeah. use it kind of like ropes. Um, There's actually a reason for the cage to be there. Exactly, yeah. yeah. They make the most of it. Jim Ross at one point, he goes, how much skill can you honestly show in this kind of structure? And I think that was a bit of a... An unfair comment, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, it's a bit dismissive. Yeah, I mean, they, they had great mat wrestling. You know, it yeah. was really, really cool. And I love the little spot that um, Shamrock kept doing where he'd, you know, run at the uh, the tapered uh, yeah. cage and bounce jump off, off of it. Bounce off. Kick off it, kick, yeah. Kick off it. And that, like, he did it probably... It's like a wall every, jump in Mario 64. too many times for my liking, but every time I watched it, I was like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, really no, it's cool. I was like, yeah, I like that. Uh, Dan Severn, of course, standing in Owen's corner. Who's Owen's obviously got the advantage straight away because I mean I wouldn't be able to wrestle a match with Dan Severn with a towel over his shoulder, just like looking at you like oh <laughs> fucking Dan doesn't blink the entire match. I'm scary, sure. scary man. <laughs> so terrifying, chilling. Um, but you know I think the the guys adapted really really well. A really cool spot in the match where Owen locks in the sharpshooter and Ken actually climbs the cage yeah. so while cool still looking. in the hold. Uh, that's really really cool C spot. Couldn't, couldn't do that in the ropes. No, you couldn't, exactly. Take that, JR. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do want to see an own hard Ken Shamrock regular in the ring match. match. Yeah. But again, I mean, I suppose if, if, if you're going to do a gimmick match, it's, it's, I like the way when you're doing a gimmick match that it fits within the confines of the story. Yeah. If they just went and they did like a random ass cage match or a random ass, you Backstage know. Backstage brawl. Yeah. This fits because Owen wants to like be a shoot fighter, you yeah. Know, and that's that's the whole gimmick here. And again, with fully loaded, it just breaks it up a little bit. It gives you a change of scenery, a completely different kind of match that's never been different seen kind before. of crowd. They yeah. actually it looked really cool because I mean it's it's an old timey. It looked like the MGM Grand because uh, mm -hmm. you got the lights yeah. on the ceiling, crowd very close to the action. Uh, you know, handheld cameras. I think it looked really, really, um, really slick, like like a big, big fight, fight feel. Big fight feel, definitely. Uh, sequence at the end is fucking brilliant. Uh, Owen locks in the Dragon Sleeper which is the move that Dan has taught uh, owned basically to, to beat Ken Shamrock because Ken you know, passed out to it and Dan didn't yeah. match like. mm -hmm. and uh, Ken actually climbs the cage with his legs as he's still in it flips over Owen Fujimura armbar ankle lock and then Dan goes Badass. fuck it and he leaves and Owen taps out kick ass little match really, really cool. liked it absolutely fucking brilliant really really cool little match and uh, yeah I mean I think you know this this feud is like I at the time I thought this is what UFC was. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the main things that Severin and Shamrock had going for them was the fact that, you know, most of us who were watching at the time didn't know what UFC was. We thought it was this really mysterious kind of like ECW I would have viewed in the same light and kind of, oh, this is this weird kind of thing that you know, we didn't yeah. have YouTube, we didn't have many tapes or anything like that. So when you're hearing about this stuff, it had this almost like weird mythical quality. To me, to it. it was almost like from what I heard on the playground, UFC was always made out to be this thing. It's like it's like WWF, but it's real. They really hurt each it's other. It's a good they... sport, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the truth is actually far different. And I, the first time I watched UFC, I, I was, was so bored. bored. I love it now, but I was yeah. so bored. At well, first. I mean, now as I say, it's refined into this really cool. You know, it's an it's legit sport. Now. And... Back in the in the nineties, they didn't know what they were fucking doing. Like it was it was shit. That's st another story for another podcast, though. Definitely, yeah. Um, the Austin, the UFC era. Austin backstage interview. Nothing really much of note, except the fact that Austin is now wearing his Smoking Skull belt. Yeah, I never really liked that belt, to be honest. I prefer the uh, the Big Eagle. I don't like guys having their own belts. 
Yeah, it's a stupid idea. The Rock apparently at one point was meant to get his own uh, Brahma oh, Bull Oh yeah, belt. you could buy the prototype of it. It's got like a big massive yeah. blue bull coming out of the front stupid. of it. Stupid, 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 stupid. Don't like it. Looks yeah. like the Cavonia advert's just been put onto a belt of some sort. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Austin has his own belt. It doesn't actually really become a storyline thing for a few months though, so he just kind of has it, which is kind of strange. Anyway, Mankind versus the New Age Outlaws. Tag team titles on the line. First problem with Mankind, I suppose, is that uh, he's meant to be a good guy now, but he's still coming out to his evil. Billy's favourite team come out. New In South, more South Park shirts. Yeah. I, like, I don't get the... I know that South Park at this time would have been like a huge thing. Yeah, like, yeah. In but Because I think it was 98 around the time when the movie came out. No, sure. no, this would so, have been just when South Park first came on the screens, actually. Right, it so, would have been around for around a year at this point. Yeah, so... But if you remember, South Park at the time, in addition to like being kind of, oh, it's a great comedy, blah, 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 it had this kind of, oh, you're not meant to watch it. Like Attitude Era. Yeah, ex- yeah. like Attitude Era. I remember at the time, like, because, you know, you, you, if I remember a friend of mine when I was like, you know, nine, had a, you know, the Kenny t-shirt and he was sent home from school for wearing <laughs> it. It was just a picture of Kenny, like, you know, and it said South Park. I'm like, no, 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 you know, because it's, it's, it's violent and it's dangerous. Yeah. So it was just, it's just tapping into that kind of, you know. It's just a bit too, um, over-referential. And obviously hasn't aged very well. You no. know, I mean, obviously, coming back no, and coming out now, it's kind of silly. Why don't you go up there and smarten him up? Tell him what the man's doing. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Um, so yeah, New Age Outlaws come out and they claim they bring out what Road Dog claims is the diggity diggity disumpster, the yep. dumpster. Just say dumpster. Just say dumpster. Diggity 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 dumpster. Um, is it a diggity diggity dumpster match or is <laughs> they just bringing it out? That's their that's their thing. I don't know about you guys, but I kind of thought mankind going on uh, against New Age Outlaws by himself just made Kane look like a coward. Because New Age Outlaws aren't exactly big scary dudes or anything. It's mm. like, what's Kane's reasoning for not showing up? They, they never made an excuse for Kane not being there. Well, like, no, Kane, Kane and Mankind, like, had properly... Like, they had a Hell in a Cell match on Raw the week before. On Raw? On Raw, yeah. I know, it's the, literally the least known Hell in a Cell match in existence. Uh, very rarely spoke of. Uh, but they had one on Raw. I mean, they had properly... Uh, they were tag champs. They won them back from Austin Undertaker in, like, a four-way... Uh, match that the uh, nation was in and the outlaws as well but yeah they were kind of completely on the outs so I don't think it was I mean they did have reasoning for, for not being there but I suppose yeah Kane does look just like just wasn't a, very well explained I think yeah um, so we get dueling chairs at the start which I like yeah I love yeah. it but this point made me realise that I have a bit of a problem with the crowd uh, mm. uh, at Madison Square Garden because they do eventually warm up in every match but at the start of each match I've noticed yeah. they're, dead. they're sword fighting with chairs and the crowd are just sort of sat there watching it I mean, is it to do with the pacing? Because every match we've watched so far has got like a big kind of series of false finishes, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's one after the other. We're not having any real buffer matches or True, big interview segments. So they need a bit of a cool down period almost. 
It is weird because outlaws are technically working heel, but they're the guys in the fucking you know South Park shirts who are saying funny stuff. You're meant to cheer for them. It's again, it's stupid. In a no DQ match, you can't yeah. do face versus face, can you? You can. It's it's they clearly no. come across as like Jim Ross keeps going. Oh, they're here to get business done, folks. It's like yeah, but they're like being pretty malicious in yeah. doing it. And mankind is the most sympathetic character in yeah. the world at the moment. Definitely. Um, so yeah, you got a bit of a problem there. The crowd don't really know. Where I don't think the crowd are even comfortable with cheering mankind yet because he's still technically a Vince McMahon guy. It's it's strange. We got a nice hip spot, uh, hip toss into the table. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, mankind gets in some pretty good offense, but it becomes apparent very soon that he's outmatched, outgunned, and yeah. it peters off. And we also know for a fact that the New Age Outlaws are going to go on to win this. And how do we know that, Kevin? Uh, it's because following a double powerbomb onto two chairs, which was a fucking horrible spot, he landed right in his fucking head. It was just unnecessary. Uh, following that, we get a, uh, a cover from Road Dog, and it goes... Really human. He got a shoulder on. Look at this! He doesn't know it! One guy in the back is there with his fucking finger on the button and he presses it at the wrong time. Trigger happy. Yeah. I wonder who's going to win, Adam. I wonder <laughs> who's... Do you think that they had two buttons just in case whoever wins, wins? Just like that Rob Van Dam match. Yeah, exactly. Was one, it, was, it was like Rob Van Dam and someone against the Dudleys and it's like, one, two, one, one of a kind! <laughs> I just love, I, it's the silliest botch ever and it, it just ruins a match and you can tell it's near the end of the match because they're like, oh, the finish is well, coming. Well, it's literally in the next spot is the... Next spot, yeah, they do spike pile driver onto Foley and they win the belts. You know, it is a bit of a face turn, I suppose, then for the New Age Outlaws because they do all their kind of tag team champions of the world. It's, it's, it doesn't seem like a face turn so much as the fact that the crowd's turning heel because, like, they just, <laughs> yes! they just kick the shit yes, out of Yes, actually, yeah. And New Age Outlaws are doing all their, you know, the big spiel and the crowd's chanting along and they're cheering. Then they kick the shit out of Mixon more and shove him in a dumpster and everyone's still going crazy. Like, yeah, they, yeah what, they, what they say is, they go, we're going to put you in the trash where you belong. Yeah, it's like, people are cheering. It's fucking cruel. Yeah. Like, you know, poor hell. Arena full of heels. They, they kill the micker. That's what yeah. they do, right? <laughs> Who the hell's a micker? Uh, Idiot. Um, Kane then, is, Mick is thrown into the dumpster and then Kane comes out. He'd been in the dumpster oh. all along. Just, and he has that sledgehammer that he has a sledgehammer well. and he drives it down into Foley uh, Foley gets written off TV then for, for a couple of weeks after this you know? I actually felt so sad watching this because Mick yeah. just had like the worst night yeah. his car gets trashed he's having a panic attack backstage can't find his weapons loses the belt to try to defend him by yeah. himself and then gets thrown in a bin and Kane literally murders him with a big sledgehammer but yeah, you know, after this, they're kind of like, oh, I don't think we'll ever see Mick Foley again. So he does now get yeah. his couple weeks rest that he fucking should have had after yeah. King of the Ring. Jesus yeah. Christ, what, the poor what guy. What I do like about that is that Mick, the, the, the time between Mick getting thrown into the dumpster and then everyone else realising that Kane's actually in there <laughs> is really, really strange because you'd think, it's like, obviously, Mick's pretty hurt. He's supposed yeah. to be sort of on the verge of being knocked out. But it's just like, he's just there. He's like, I can just imagine him in a bit of a haze. Just in the fetal position, I and mean, then there's Kane in the fetal position as well, or, or just staring at him. Says, "You know what I'm gonna do now? <laughs> you ready? You ready? Maybe Mick Foley is Kane, and he just got in the dumpster yeah. and quickly changed. And that's why you never see the both of them together. In yeah, that that, that, that's true. That's actually. Right You've never seen them unmasked in the same place at the same time. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. So yeah, there you go, Mick Foley or IP. <laughs> We got a sick promo package for The Rock versus Triple H. Are you ready? And The Rock is the best damn intercontinental champ there ever was. To the great young stars currently competing here in the WWF. 
in a big-time marquee matchup. Part of The Rock will now be played by Triple H. You know, The Rock just came from the bathroom. You should have smelled what The Rock was cooking. I ain't faking. You should have smelled what The Rock was baking. The Rock was baking. Brother was baking. Can you imagine The Rock? He's broken every piece of furniture in his living room right now. But when The Rock gets a hold of your candy ass, he's gonna lay the smack down on you. The Rock is here! With the just The Rock just laid down some smack on Triple H! Rock is up and in the ring! Oh, rock bottom! The Rock bottom on Helmsley! And the referee's back his turn! D'Lo now on top of him! And no! Not this way! And the nation has stolen the European title from DX and Triple H! But Triple H and DX would strike back! It's a street fight. There's that ladder in the ring, JR. Rock is making sure Triple H will never forget this now. Rock using that. That ladder! Oh, ladder right in the gut. The Rock. No, he's not. No, he's not. Look out here. Don't do that. Come on. Come on. No. Oh, man. Triple H is helpless. He has been left in a bad, bad way. Rock. You want to bring ladders into the ring? Let's bring the ladder to Madison Square Garden. And let's see who the real man is, Rock. Here's your answer. You bet your pretty ass. Look at the look on China's face. I think she's here to get physical. Last week, China called out The Rock, but it was the people's champ who turned the tables, barricading DX in their locker room and proceeding to publicly humiliate China, a move that incensed Triple H. Oh! Rocky! A SummerSlam! Your role is gonna be real clear! He's gonna climb the people's ladder. He's gonna reach up and snatch the Rock's Intercontinental title. At SummerSlam, you are gonna be my The Rock and Triple H, the ladder match. It's, it's, a, it's nice, I suppose, that it stopped being just general DX versus Nation, but now it's kind of more focused on actually Triple H An versus actual the rivalry. Because the last match was fully loaded, it felt like it had no heat going into it because it was just you know, oh these are the yeah. guys from their respective teams. Interference spots. Yeah, so now we're having you know Rock and Triple H. Uh, Triple H comes out with China. Rock, who's a step above, obviously comes out with Mark Henry. I think that can tell you a lot about the Rock as a human being. <laughs> <laughs> what really creeped me out—they only gloss over it a little bit. Uh, in, in the promo package 
but they did a real weird angle with China being humiliated yeah. on the Raw beforehand, which is the Rock. You know, China had been you know, low on the Rock interfering. You know, had fully loaded blah blah blah. Yeah. Rock called her out to the ring, and like he was like going to be you know face off one on one. Punched her in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> and the Rock has all the nation with him, and you expect oh DX are going to come out, but then they cut backstage and like they've locked DX in their locker room, mm. so Chinese in the ring with all of the nation, and like the Rock like makes her go down on her knees and is like yeah you're going to kiss Mark Henry now, and Mark's like yeah, and like yeah. they like, ruffle up her hair and all this stuff, and the Rock's like you're a fucking dog. It's just like oh that's real creepy, real creepy. I mean you know. For the char- for one first of all for China's character, it was weird to make put in that weird like vulnerable position because China was never meant it was always meant to be like oh she can hang with the guys she doesn't get degraded yeah. but they're like oh poor little girl she's lost with all these scary men it just it really rubbed me the wrong way yeah. um, didn't was was on the Rock was good, neat could get heat without being a fucking like complete pervert like yeah. it was really weird but it's it was the start of the Mark Henry and China like love storyline which. Goes over the next few months. This is a thing. Yes, it is. And you know what? People Does she give birth to a rubber foot at the end? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, people look back with you know, Mark Henry's sexual chocolate. You know, they chant at him now to kind of make fun of him. But, you know, people look back on that angle that all they ever think of is, you know, Mae Young giving birth to the hand and, you know, Mark Henry getting humiliated. The original genesis of the storyline with him and China and him trying to be like a smooth player with China and China just being completely like arms crossed, I want nothing to do with you, is really fucking entertaining. Yeah. And it, it builds over the next few months. We'll see a bit of it. I, I think it's actually really fucking funny and you get really yeah. over with the crowd. So Look forward to it. Look forward to it, yeah. Anyway, DX Band come out. Uh, oh, damn it. Given how bad they butchered the national anthem at WrestleMania 14, they got booed out of the arena. They got butchered so bad it actually wasn't on the DVD we watched. They cut it out of it. That's why we didn't cover it. You think the DX band, the one song they know how to play, would be the DX song? It's, yeah. You know, it's pretty simple. It's it's it's. You, it sounds all. Wrong. The name of your band is in the song. <laughs> yeah. You you get the feeling as well. Like I don't know the name of the singer. You just come Some out. Dude. You just come out, and he has the sort of the face about him. Where you just Weasel, think, like. He, uh, he looks like he probably smells, and he looks like a prick. No, he does. Yeah, he, he looks, looks like, like a serious a massive tosser, massive smelly prick. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, he's actually quite small. A small smelly. Prick. A little smelly. You little smelly prick. Yeah, that's what I say to him. They're completely out of chi- out of tune, out of time. Um, I know it's not. You know. We're not here to criticise music. Critique if music. Gonna, if you're going to put on live music, make sure they can actually fucking play the live music. And the, the crowd are really like fucking, oh, gee, because they're just like, he just goes, bah! you know, he screams around the moments and yeah. he's like, there's distortion. Triple H is like. It doesn't even sound like the song. No. Like the it's... riff. The riff sounds different. Yeah, because it's out of tune. You know, it's it's really really. It's actually like uh, one of those you know like uh, shreds videos. Yeah. You know, yeah. they broke the song. Um. Yeah, it was fucking reprehensibly bad. 
So we get a Triple H is in the ring with oh, the Titan Tron. The, 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 the mixture of that the, uh, the the awful music mm -hmm. and the headache of a Titan Tron. Oh, you've never it been made, a fan of the DX Titan I, ha I hate the DX Titan Tron. You know the way they Yeah, the I, video. I don't mind it with the regular music, but no, this but that, was... It was such a headache. It, it, it hurt my eyes. No, we were quite sleepy when we watched this. So it was like... Uh, <laughs> we you were know, watching this at like one in the morning. I, and it's just this fucking awful din and this flashing lights. I'm like, would you... Turn it down, oh, guys. Oh, lie down. <laughs> you no, know, I actually I need to lie down after this. Um, who is better, gentlemen? DX Band or Insane Clown Posse or the Three Man Band? <sighs> three Man Band. Three Man Band. At least they have the audacity, at least they have the decency not to fucking play. <laughs> <laughs> we get an awesome image. The Rock comes out and he stands on the, on the ladder in the middle of the yeah. narrow rampway surrounded by the people. Real cool. This is the Brilliant. Rock really becoming the Rock now. Definitely. No, the Rock really has a handle on, on what his character is now. Uh, we got, again, we got a nice hot uh, uh, hot start to this match. But the problem is, is you know, Rock comes out with the belt and they do the gimmick where they're going to hang the belt on the on the dealy do and it flies up. Now we know why they why it's, the belt is put up there before the match. Uh, it takes modern so fucking piece. long. It, they come out, they have the DX band, and then the Rock come out do his cool pose. Crowd is electric. Big fucking intros. All right, let's just wait four minutes. Crowd, <laughs> crowd is dead by the time the match yeah. starts. But they, I think that's why they start so yeah. you know, quick yeah. to get the crowd uh, back into it. Yellow ladders at this match. Yeah. Odd. Really weird. It's very industrial. It doesn't like you imagine like uh, Madison Square Garden to have. If like if you're gonna have a ladders match in Madison Square Garden, they're gonna be like these. Madison Square Garden is this huge venue. It's this big prestigious yeah. venue for sport, like for sporting entertainment and for sports. Not like old ladders they buy down Wilco, yeah. like you know. Plain of your ladders. <laughs> They've just gone to Home Depot. I don't like yellow ladders. I don't like the there. bright, the bright uh, tin coloured ones that they use now. Mind either. You oh, know, no, like space ladders. I just give me a, a black ladder with silver struts. Is that is that too much to ask for? I think that's the man it. knows what he wants. The man yeah. knows his ladders. That's all I'm saying. You know, interesting match. I think. This is a match which is is definitely held in very high regard, and some people pointed as being like Triple H's like finest match of this of this era and so on and so forth. It was the first proper match of I don't count that match those guys had uh, fully loaded as a, as a real oh, fucking no, match. Not at all. This is the first real face off between these two, but it's interesting watching it now because their ladder match has evolved into this thing now where you expect all these high spots. Usually very little psychology. Yeah. This match is, again, it's a lot more that slow-paced WWF style of the time where they... It doesn't quite work, though, anymore. I, I think it's aged... This was, my, this was my first time watching the match, and... I it's was, aged for poorly, mo I For most of it, I I, 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 I disagree with both of you, to be honest, because obviously the standard for ladder matches has become now, you know, the quick pace, the high flying... Who can I, you, What can you do that hasn't been done? Yes. Yeah. To me, it was actually one of the most original ladder matches I've watched, it watched in ages, just because it's so simple and stripped back. Yeah. But it's I more think, about strength and speed in this one. I think so. And I, I think, I mean, I like the match. I'm just saying, I think that it, a lot of people watching it may be kind of taken a little bit aback that it's not like, oh, you know, oh, glad it's came. Yeah. But I think yeah. psychology-wise, they're very smart because towards the end of the match, you know, they do maybe two or three falls off the ladder, but the crowd is fucking amped up and yeah. electric when they do it. It really means something. And I think, I don't know, the ladder matches, I think, with, with Money in the Bank pay-per-views and TLC pay-per-views, they're really into a corner now where you've got like 10 you know, big ladder matches yeah. in, in a year. Extreme Rules as well is always yeah. you know, a ladder match. Yeah. And it's, I think the standard now is kind of you can't outdo what they've done. I think going back to this, to the psychology kind of the slower ladder yeah. match yeah. is probably something smart. You can maybe well, recondition like, the fans uh, and I, what I, to I, expect. One of the reasons I was so interested in it is when you hear, when you hear you know, the, 
the term ladder match, you you associate yourself with a certain type of Performer. wrestler. You, yeah. you think you think of RVD, Jeff Hardy, Edge, the, the Hardys. Yeah, Edge. yeah, yeah. You and you get instead in this match, you get The Rock and Triple H. You are high flyers. Who so never go off the top rope. It was, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was interesting. Yeah, as definitely. A, as uh, these are, you know, two wrestlers I, I know sort of semi decently, and you never expect to see. You never expect them. So if, mm. if you told me, oh, Triple H and The Rock are going to have a ladder match, I would have told you to fuck off. So quit <laughs> like, <laughs> Billy, overreaction. Billy, fuck off. Billy, and, Billy in the fuck book, off, yeah. in, in the booking meeting there. I was always thinking ladders. Fuck off. <laughs> But yeah, real cool match. Actually. Real cool yeah. match. Yeah, we get a lot of like these guys. They can brawl really good, and they yeah. go to the outside and they do some real fucking sick stuff. Oof. Rock gets killed, decapitated. Yeah, but there's a definite clunk of on rock concrete. on concrete. Yeah, and it's very sore looking. Yeah, uh, we get a pedigree reversal onto the ladder as well on the outside. Back body drop onto the ladder. Yeah. Yeah. No. Triple Oof. H takes some uh, serious licks in this, mm. and it's actually a shame because Triple H very shortly after this actually has to uh, take time off because of injury again. Um, so yeah, I mean, he took a bump. Would you say the the spots are sloppy? They they land very awkwardly a lot of the times. But again, it's the hard mats. And... It's the hard mats, and I guess it's because they're also out of their element in a kind of match they're not used to working in. So. It's a yeah. really odd one, but I actually, obviously for safety reasons, it looks horrible, all the stuff they're doing, but I actually think it adds to the match because yeah. all the moves look so because of the stipulations of the match. It's not submission. It's not a pin. Yeah. You've got to injure your opponent and you, the to the point is, where they can't get up so yeah. you can get something. Well, how many times have you seen ladder matches now where a guy will like fall off a ladder, go to the outside of the ring, and then like five minutes, he'll be back up on top of the ladder? Yeah. In this match, they build towards it. If they take a big fall, they don't get up for, for a yeah. while afterwards. We This is something which you picked up on, Adam, and it really irritated me throughout the pay-per-view, but very noticeably in this match, we keep hearing a bit of a walkie-talkie. Yeah, someone like, has got a walkie-talkie going off next to one of the cameras. <laughs> Sounds like the shield are gonna come down. Just <laughs> <laughs> like a 14-year-old Dean Ambrose, <laughs> tough motherfucking kid coming out. Welcome to Consequences, Triple H. <laughs> uh, we had the People's Elbow on the ladder. I like that. Yeah, I like that. that's cool. You notice how the People's Elbow has gotten over as an actual move as opposed to just People kind of uh, it a now. gimmick, like yeah. And uh, the Rock, in one of my favorite spots of the match, Triple H does a jump and Rock catches him for the Rock Bottom and does a. Super rock bottom. Real cool. Really, really cool. Triple H wins after China interference. Again, China being this... Well, I suppose, considering what The Rock did to China, you had to have... She low blows him off the ladder, doesn't she? She low blows him, yeah. You'd expect a little more, though. Yeah, at least a DDT she's been known for. Yeah. Or the powder. This this guy, like, made you get on your knees and, like... You know, d- d- subjected you to a lot of embarrassment. Mm. What are you going to do back to him? Just go punch him in the dick in that Triple H. But that being said, The Rock had been champion for a long, long time. He's been champion since we started this. Yeah, and since way before we. Yeah, started I think this. I think The Rock has been champion for for I think around nine months. Uh, so I think maybe that was the revenge that she actually was the one who finally cost. Yeah. yeah. 
the Rock is is Intercontinental One Championship. One thing we, we might have overlooked, we pointed this out last night as well, is that Mark Henry came out with The Rock, mm-hmm. and, and we think we think through. maybe China might have knocked him down like halfway through the it match. It wasn't made clear though. What it wasn't made clear, and then at the end of it, it's been like a good fifteen minutes since that would have happened anyway. Mark Henry just sort of happily watches China interfere and let Triple H win. Yeah. Was just, Mark Henry going to climb no ladder? Like, he's just yeah. sitting underneath <laughs> the ring eating a turd sandwich. <laughs> he's got a bit of an upy tummy, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, good match. Good match. I mean, I, I, no, I enjoy it. I, again, it's just, I suppose it's just the fact that I've been conditioned now to expect certain things from ladder matches. Yeah, it's a little jarring. It is, yeah. But I think it's, it's, it's definitely the most unique ladder match. Uh, you know. Oh yeah, it stands out as its own kind of match. It's not a, an ordinary ladder match. If they were to do a match like this now, it would actually be like real, like people go, "Holy shit!" Like you know. It felt to me like the kind of psychology and the way they were fighting. It felt like it was more of a last man standing match with yes. a ladder in it. Yes, definitely. Yeah, or like an I quit match or something, something like, like that. that yeah. yeah. The one quick thing I noticed as well, this is that in the transitions, anytime they're showing us uh, replays in this pay-per-view, it's like jarring Statue of Liberty jumping right <laughs> oh, yeah. Ghostbusters 2-ass shit coming <laughs> yeah. right at you. Well, that was a semi-main event. It was nice seeing the Intercontinental belt in such a featured spot as yeah. well. You know? That belt really fucking means something. You can tell Triple H is obviously, and The Rock are both guys who could be in the main event now. That was what the World Heavyweight belt is today, I'd say. I think so, definitely. Definitely. Now it's time for a main event. Highway to Hell, Stone Cold Steve Austin defending the WWF Championship against The Undertaker. They certainly amp it up, yeah. Yeah. They hype up this match, there's a lot of excitement for it. I noticed that, I think they say it in the promo, and JL said it a couple of times over the past few months, and I keep meaning to bring it up, and I'll finally say it now. What the hell is he on about when he says Undertaker is the conscience of the WWF? What does that mean? I think it's kind of like... It's like it's the way it's the way an an announcer can get over the fact that he's like the locker room leader, but say it in a way that maintains kayfabe. If you know what I mean. Conscience, though, it's just I, they, so odd. I think it's 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 like it's it's like this. It's like Undertaker's been around since the Hogan era. You know, he's kind of the top dog yeah. in the locker room. He's the man who kind of you know, if someone's out of line, you know, in real life, you know, not not kayfabe. If someone steps out of line, he's usually the person who who took care of it. He would have just been considered like you know, the top the, dog. Yeah, like Bradshaw yeah. would have been considered that at one point as well. Just kind of like yeah. a guy who like has been there for a while is respected by everyone. It's kind of if you disrespect them, it's kind of a slap against the company. Yeah. So I think it was a way of them saying that would you know. Without breaking kayfabe. But yeah, it is a weird thing. And also as well, calling him the conscience of the WWF is a bit of a problem considering that even though he's still technically a tweener or whatever at this point, he has been doing some flat out evil shit since King of the Ring. It's a sort of face statement, isn't it? It is, yeah. You're the 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 representation of the company. He's been a bit of a prick. Well, you, you can call a man a conscience of a company if he refers to himself as the Lord of Darkness yeah. and the Reaper of Wayward Souls. <laughs> That's some fucking heavy shit right there. Old Testament. Yeah, I know. It's it's real biblical. I think Undertaker's in a weird position here though because he's not, he's not the kind of like, you know, he's not the, the conscience type character as he was yeah. maybe at WrestleMania 14. Uh, you know, where he's kind of like, you know, meant to be a good dude. But he's not yet like, you know, pure manifestation of evil Undertaker it's that we'll get. very grey area, isn't it? Very grey area. And I think this is the Undertaker that is kind of maybe the one of my least favourite Undertakers because he's just kind of a little bit ill-defined. You he's know? just there. 
more than anything else, really. He's, yeah. He seems like more of an obstacle for Steve Austin than anything else at the minute. Well, yeah. I mean, in fairness, this is the biggest match they could do at the time. Because Undertaker, I mean, despite the fact that he shades the grey, would be also the top fit. If it wasn't Austin, Undertaker would be the next man to be considered mm-hmm. the, the top guy. Mm-hmm. So him versus Austin was obviously a very, very huge deal. This is the first SummerSlam that, you know, you don't have a Shawn Michaels, you've no Bret Hart. So this is being carried by, this is, you know, the new yeah. guard, so to speak. So there was a lot of pressure on these guys to deliver a match. I think the match does deliver in, in, in many respects. I think they they go against what you expect. You start off with a lot of uh, mat wrestling, uh, yeah. which you don't expect these guys. Mm. It descends into a slow brawl, but I think that mainly happens because uh, very early in the match, I don't know if you guys caught it or not, Austin Taker uh, crossed the ropes and Austin smacks the back of his head. He apparently got knocked out there, and for the rest of the match then, he had to basically be right. brought through right. it because I think he was concussed. So... That explains where the match starts off, kind of like. He doesn't have a lot of luck, does he, Stone Cold? Really doesn't. I know, right? Again, this is, you know, big main event time. Here's a problem for you to deal with this time. Yeah. And it is a shame, yeah, because I think it does kill the psychology of the match somewhat, considering that these two guys literally wanted to kill each other, and it starts off in this real kind of, you know, who's better than who, mat wrestling thing, and then it's like kind of slow, sloppy brawling. We do uh, get some pretty fucking amazing spots in this. The main spot of this match the kind of highlight package is moment so to speak is Undertaker doing the leg drop from the top of the yeah, rope yeah. through the Spanish announce table sweet mother of fucking Jesus when Christ when you say through the Spanish announce table you mean over the Spanish announce <laughs> table they both glide over it together yeah. it's it's a dodgy move to be done because I mean you know um, Fandango does that guillotine leg drop now but everyone's like it's screw you up can't it yeah, you, when you land on your tailbone mm-hmm. night yeah. after night well, didn't, didn't X-Pac tell not to do it I, there's a lot of guys on Twitter, X Pac and Scott Hall, I think, were like, yeah. yeah, don't do it. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of a sore move that you can do, that's pretty yeah. much it there. Matt Hardy once did a guillotine leg drop from the top of the cage. Just like, just think, I mean, if you ever, like, fallen off, you know, a table or a chair and, like, oh, landed right in there, yeah. it's fucking sore, man. So, yeah. this is a crazy spot. And fair, in fair fucks to The Undertaker, because, I mean, Austin is, you know, the champion. He's meant to be, you know, the ring general or whatever. And the whole match basically goes out the window, so to speak, because he gets knocked the fuck out. I mean, in the current climate, I assume Austin would not have been allowed to continue the match. Yeah. No. Whereas Taker really stepped up to the plate, I suppose, there, didn't he? He made it look yeah. real impressive. I mean, could you tell, or did you know, notice that you know something was wrong? Oh, no, no, I, I actually didn't notice. No, I didn't notice. Yeah. So it's, but that, I mean... There's a couple of little botched moments. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say but that. But it's not out of the ordinary. That sort really. of affects my opinion of the match, really, because... I'll be a flat out and say it right now. I was really disappointed with this match. Yeah, I was a little. In slow. all honesty, I oh. thought it was very slow. But I didn't realize that Stone Cold like was possibly concussed mm. during it. I just thought it was quite a slow face versus face matches are so hard to pull off because yeah. they, they usually at the start it's like oh here we go, but then it just kind of fizzles out because someone has to get. It's very rare that you can do it. I don't think Taker was a strong enough face character yeah. at this point no. to pull it off. Kane comes out. Assumingly yeah. smelling like rubbish and piss because yeah. he's been in a dumpster. <laughs> all night. I was I was of two ways about this. Um, I, I yeah, Kane came out. You know, we don't know what's happening here. We still don't know. But it's very ambiguous the relationship between the Undertaker and Kane. And I like that Kane came out, uh, but the gate again. <laughs> like, okay. It should be. It should be. It should be like I want it to be a surprise. Like Kane just turn up, but for like thirty seconds, you see a you see just see him slowly walking. Opening the gate, yeah. close the gate, I mean, just standing there. For they should have left the dumpster there the whole night, and then he could have came out like. Just the grouch, you know. Just comes out. Just comes out. So yeah, Kane goes almost to interfere, but Undertaker says like, "No, leave it." I got so, to leave. so yeah, you get this real uh, 
real uh, face moment for Undertaker. You'd think you just tell him to do that before the match. So I don't want you to come out. Don't just come out halfway through the the match. Bit of a distraction. Bit of distraction. Undertaker goes for old school, but it's obviously not called old school at this moment. Uh, Austin reverses it. Taker gets low blowed. Stunner. Austin pins Undertaker clean. Now, I've not done my research on this, but I don't know if you guys could think of Undertaker being pinned clean on pay-per-view has not happened in a long fucking time. I don't think it's happened on the podcast so far. Has I it? Think, I think you might be right about that. I don't think it has I can't happened. think of any example. So, like, yeah, I mean, I know Mankind had a lot of victories over The Undertaker, but that was, like, going back I was, to 96. I, I was genuinely surprised by the end. I genuinely thought Taker would win. Oh, really? Yeah, I, yeah. I was adamant, like, watching it. I, I tell you what bothered me about the ending. Or you um, maybe thought that there'd be an interference spot or something yeah. like that. Austin pinning Undertaker clean is a big fucking push for Austin's character mm-hmm. there. Like it's, I think the biggest, it's the biggest victory he could have conceivably gotten at this point. Yeah. I think, so I tell you what bothered me about the ending is when Austin gets the pin, Earl Hebner does like the slowest count in history. Yeah. And normally you get that when a referee's been absolutely battered in a match and he's dead knackered, but nothing's happened. Nothing happened to Earl Hebner. He's mm. just been lazy. He's been a real lazy twat. Like miscommunication. One, two. Yeah. No, I, he's probably I just thinking about shirts. He's gonna say. Scumbag. Hebner. Like we've we brought that up now about three like. Free podcast. Well, it's just, shameful. I'm just scumbag. It's Henry. fucking shameful. <laughs> Maybe he's did. searching on the ground for the blade they used to kick themselves <laughs> in the match. Uh, sell that online. Genuine Steve Austin red blood cells. <laughs> Buy my shit. So there you go. Main event. Highway to hell. That is it. Uh, yeah, like I say, it was, I was just, it, was, it was entertaining, but I was disappointed because we had uh, quite a few really great matches on this and then the main event was a little bit of a letdown. Mm. Yeah. What do you think of the main event, Billy? It was alright, I like the end. Yeah. I like the end. There's a couple of little things I didn't like about the end though. The, the, um, the Undertaker picks up the belt. And, and gives it to and Austin. Gives it to Austin. I, like, I like that. Yeah. Everybody is so surprised that the Undertaker has been honest and has said, it's going to be one, it's one on one, Kane's not going to get involved, it's going to be a clean match. Mm. Everyone's so surprised. Like he's like an alcoholic who's like said, I'm finally, you know, going clean. It's like, you like... They don't trust him. I don't well, no, why him. would you trust him? Because they spent the last month kind of... Blurring the lines. I mean, by proxy, by being with Kane, and Kane is fucking Satan at this point. You know, him being with Kane. But I, you know, I do like the idea that they're still trying to maintain that character, you know, that he is still, like, deep down, he's got, you know, he's got a conscience or whatever. But, mm, I th- the bit Austin and Taker have some great matches when Taker goes full-on evil. Well, we get some corporate ministry stuff later down the line. So, in my opinion, I mean, I think the match is good for what it is. Obviously, you know, you know, concussion or whatever it was, notwithstanding, you know, yeah. I still think that it delivered in terms of big moments, and you know, it had that big fight. I'm sure feel. at the time I would have really bought into that match and thought it was amazing. You know, if I was there for all the hype and the hype. I mean, the hype for this match, guys, it was fucking off the charts. I mean, you should mm-hmm. see the 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 poster for it. It's like Austin Undertaker, it's like like Godzilla, it's like like Godzilla, Godzilla yeah, in the Highway to Hell video package. The the bill for this was 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 kind of crazy, but there you go. That is SummerSlam 1998. It's in the books. That is it. Now we're gonna ask you guys for match of the night and MVP. Adam, my match of the night. Uh, there was plenty of good ones on here, uh, but honestly, I can say it's quite genuinely, despite all of the big ones, I think my match of the night is the opening match between D'Lo and Valvinus. Oh yeah, I absolutely love that match. Despite the finish. Despite the finish, despite the fact that you know, it ended with screwiness, I thought that match was absolutely brilliant because Valor and D'Lo are just both at the top of their game. Yeah. And they properly deliver, and it just, I think it was mostly because it took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting to be that blown away by an opening match. Something which we mentioned as well when we were watching this is like, 
they're like lower card guys, but they have you know distinct music. They have their finishers, signature yeah. spots, taunts. The crowd the knows all their is. shit. Like, really, like, can you name me like guys on the current roster that far down the card who've got that well-defined stuff? So you know, it's it's pretty good. Uh, M- MVP then, uh, Adam. MVP, I'm going to give to McFoley um, because of, you know his amazing promos in this. Yeah. And the fact that he you know took part in a handicap match and still made. He took a lick in this one. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I felt sorry for him, but I am going to give an honourable mention, and I actually never thought I'd say this, but Double J. Yeah. Really, really surprised me. At this. Definitely. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. actually having second thoughts about him now. I think you know I'm quite excited to see another match with him in it now. Now I know he can deliver. It's amazing what a little bit of no Tennessee league. Well, it wasn't so long ago, but we had to remove some stuff from the podcast and get it because of things that me and you <laughs> Let's said. Let's not that, get into that. that. That me and you said about Double J. We had to remove that. They were regrettable it's good things. Good to see how times have changed because that was only about two weeks ago. Yeah, that's true. Two weeks ago, yeah. we had to edit stuff out because we were being too mean. Um, Billy, <laughs> Billy, match of the night and MVP. Match of the night. Um, it's difficult. There's a couple of matches I kind of liked. I, I kind of, I, did, I like Mankind versus the New Age Outlaws. Uh, I actually like the New Age Outlaws in it as well. I, I, I like them. They were much better as, as heels, I think. Yeah. You know, uh, I still hate Road Dog on the mic, uh, but I like I, I like them now. I, I like their yeah. style and them working together. I like that. That's cool. Um, but I think my match tonight, I'd have to go to the Lions Den match. Yeah, I really, cool. I really, really, really liked it. Um, really, really fun match. You know. But like, think about it. Ken Shamrock, Dan Severn. Own heart. That's just like in a cage. <laughs> in a cage. Will that S O B please put me in a cage? A cage. A cage. A cage. A cage. What's a cage? It's bleeding for a cage. But that's like that you've boiled down wrestling into this zoo of fucking amazing, awesome shit that I love. <laughs> that is like, yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree. Yeah. That's a, such a great match. And then MVP. MVP. Oh, it's probably going to end up going to Mick Foley again. Um, it's hard not to, isn't it? Yeah, just well, just for the the pro, the two uh, promos and then uh, the match. I think Mick did an amazing job. Yeah. On this night, cool. It was a really, really, really good job. I can't lie, there's something about seeing Mankind having a panic attack backstage that just made me laugh so much. You, know, you never yeah. see wrestlers freaking out like that. Yeah, so no, it real cool. suits his character yeah, really yeah. well as well, definitely. Kevin, match of the night MVP. Ooh, um, match of the night. Um, I, I never thought I'd say this, but in, I mean, there's a. this is like, in terms of like match quality, I think this is maybe the best pay-per-view in terms of every match was like a consistent. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, King of the Ring was maybe a better pay-per-view, but I thought this had like... The mean quality of the yeah. match was higher in this. Despite the oddities. Yeah, uh, yeah despite the oddities. The oddities was the only, that, that was the, that was the only like, real stinker, yeah. Uh, I have to say probably um, Jeff Jarrett and X-Pac. Mm. There wasn't a dull moment to that match. And it was really, really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, nice use of the Fink. You know, in, uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was really, really cool. X-Pac like, came out looking really good. Jeff Jarrett looked good. Everyone like came out of that looking awesome. So, yeah, definitely that was my uh, match of the night. MVP, um, I'd probably have to say The Undertaker. Really? Because, yeah, because, I mean, you know, carrying a main event like that, he did. He provided the uh, the big-time moment of the mm. night. Uh, he, he, get, you know, he put Austin over clean, which, I mean, I mean, if I, if I was The Undertaker, you know, I'd be, I could, I could intelli- intelligently argue to any booker or writer that I should never lose ever. You yeah. know, I should never yeah. be pinned clean. And, I, and no one could argue with that fact. 
Because, I mean, the way his character is... The he, way his character is established. Yeah, for him to lose clean, it's like, Jesus, you know? So he lost clean. He put Austin over really well. He, he helped Austin out and carried the match. He did the big, huge, fucking crazy spot in it. And the bit in the end, you know, where he shook Austin's hand, gave him the belt and all that, it really, like, solidified it Austin as yeah. he's the guy, you know, and that's that's awesome, you know? So I'd say maybe Undertaker. Overall thoughts, I really like this pay-per-view. I think it really sums up the Attitude Era in a microcosm of this is the style. Is yeah. very true. Like, yeah. This is the most Attitude Era you got your a little bit of hardcore you got your kind of weird storylines you got some freak show stuff a little, little bit of comedy a little bit of comedy and then you got some just really good really good hard hitting action and as well, shit isn't? 90s music as well don't oh yeah baby so that's yeah. it SummerSlam 1998 that's more than made up for fully loaded I think I yeah. think so yeah. change in tone in the podcast this week <laughs> and we're on yeah. the highway to breakdown now aren't we yes yeah. breakdown we're the all time great uh, our, our first uh, Gangrel match Ooh. Oh my! We get Gangrel next, next. I know. No, we, we got Gangrel. some. And the job squad. I know we got some. Uh, we got Al Snow is, is joins the roster full time. We got some debuts coming up. Uh, some changes happening. Storyline getting very interesting now as we have Kane and Undertaker running rampage and they take some frustrations out on Vince McMahon. So yeah, it's it's getting real good and we're building now towards our next really big show, which is the Survivor Series which is the Deadly Games Tournament, and I cannot fucking wait for that one. That is going to be awesome. So yeah, keep it here. It's going to be Breakdown is our next one. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter. That is the main place for checking us out. We do live tweets of Raw. Me and Adam sometimes post up friend codes to play Animal Crossing. Please, Adam. <laughs> Give us fruit. D- don't, <laughs> don't come across as begging, otherwise. Please. And hey, we got people saying, oh, we like the show. You know, how can we help out? Blah, blah, blah. If you like the show and you know someone who might like like it tell a friend word of mouth is the best way to spread the show around leave a rating or review on itunes you can catch us as well on soundcloud or stitcher share those links around and of course facebook great place we post goofs trivia pictures videos all related to the attitude era facebook.com forward slash attitude era podcast so yeah it's a goodbye for me kevin and me, Billy. And me, Adam. Yeah, that is... <laughs> Wait, I said that. And me, Billy. <laughs> Man, you tagged him <laughs> Well, we're going to put our hands on our joystick and get going down the cockpit. <laughs> uh, yep. We'll catch you next time on the Editorial Podcast. Thanks, and see you at Breakdown 98.
I'm Triple H. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm Triple H. I'm in the cockpit.